If you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. people who didn't. I mean, I'm talking about the, the, the never-Trumpers, the people who thought they were going to make hay out of being the never-Trump crowd. The, the, the Mark Sanfords of the world, the people like Congressman Mark Sanford there in uh, South Carolina, who was a frequent Trump critic. And of course, a while back, Mark Sanford was in a situation where he and and, and and the South Carolinians forgave him for this. And that's okay. I mean, you know, he was he was off gallivanting around Argentina with a woman and, you know, kind of had an affair and, you know, went hiking in the mountains, disappeared in the mountains of of uh Argentina. So of course, of course, when President Trump talked about him and and tweeted out a an endorsement of his opponent President Trump said that he he belongs in Argentina. <laughs> Mark Sanford does. <laughs> and so Sanford summarily lost the election, as did 
other people who didn't support President Trump. And I do have to tell you that this is going to happen in Missouri, just so you know. And I realize that in the wake of the meeting that was, to me, hugely disrespectful to the Missouri voters who elected Eric Greitens and supported President Trump, this little bipartisan confab that was held in Governor Parson's office was hugely disrespectful, mainly because of the comments made afterwards. The the, the comments made afterwards in the wake of the meeting where they declared, oh, this this had never happened under previous administrations, insinuating somehow that because Governor Greitens didn't have Claire McCaskill in his office, that was just another one of his shortcomings. And by the way, this Claire McCaskill deal, okay, this is driving me nuts. What do you hear? This thing's rattling on you. There's something rattling. We're going to find the it's cause. It's driving of the me up, the, up, up, a tr- up a tree. All right, here. I'm going to locate it. There's something rattling. I'm going to locate it. Hang tight. Shake the table a little bit. What is Sure. It? There's something rattling. I'm going to locate it for you. What is it? I don't know. What do you think it is? I don't know. I hear it again. It's right here. Okay. I do hear it. It's that. right here. What is that? I don't know, like a cord. There's something. Ra- I'm about to. I'm about to throw this up through the through the window over there. Okay. No, that's okay. There's no window. There's one right there. Oh, okay. All right. And there's and there's one right there. All right, you're right. <laughs> it's thick. It's thick. You don't, you don't think I know where the windows are around here? You've already looked. I'm sorry. Oh, man. You don't think I've already planned my escape <laughs> in the event of some catastrophe? See, I'm, apparently I have it. Oh, I heard it again. It's yeah. just something like rattling here. It's this thing. It is. It's like a little rattle. Yeah. You could only... <laughs> it's horrible. I have my gun. I'll shoot it. <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> you threaten this at least once a week to shoot something. They shoot my computer. Yeah, it's a hot. I mean, you know, if you're a piece of electronic device in this room, and you air, oh, you've got another thing coming to you. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like Bogart in the Who Took the Strawberries, the Kane Mutiny guy. <laughs> Who ate the strawberries? <laughs> Wandering around. <laughs> Do you remember that? You ever seen that movie before? No, well, I mean, I'm uh, so, familiar I'm, with that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's, you know. I mean, nobody, I mean, probably not many people have seen The Cane <laughs> Mutiny, but uh, it's, it's, it, Bogart's kind of the, I, th- I it, to my recollection, and, and people might correct me if I'm wrong, and of course they will, and I hope they do, uh, he was the, uh, captain he was the he was the man on the ship you know okay and he'd wander around and somebody ate his strawberry it was kind of like the last it was when when they finally the the the, the people on the boat finally had enough of this guy and so he would somebody ate his strawberries i just and i think the the famous part of that was 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 bogart running around the boat 
Say, who ate my, who ate the strawberries? Just, it is, it is latest crazy formulation. That's kind of like me, you know, with every little, every little beep. And, and, and part of it too is I, I don't think the listeners really, you, I don't think you all out there, our friends really uh, hear it, but my headphones are kept really loud and they're loud for a reason because I like to feel like I'm part of something. I like to feel like I'm part of the, you know, the audio community. You, know. you do keep those things jacked up. I do. Because <laughs> I want to hear everything. But unfortunately, I hear too much. You do. You know what I mean? Like I was like, getting all over Phil the other day for scratching his beard in the, in the microphone. I'm like, dude, stop scratching your beard. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've learned these things. <laughs> like, I know better than to... My, fa- my favorite one is when people, when people who normally aren't on the radio, yeah. it never fails. People don't know how to kind of work a mic, you know? And I understand that. I get it. So you're on the air with them, and they're like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, and it's like, and they can't hear it apparently. I don't know why, because they don't have their headphones tuned up enough. So I'm trying to talk, and, and somebody goes, "Yes, <laughs> you can. You can hear everything." Or, or I'm talking, and they're like, It's like it's first of all, it's disgusting sounding, and secondly, it's driving me nuts. But yeah, you have people who you interview sometimes, or they'll come to the studio, yeah, and they just they have no clue, and they don't want to wear headphones. Oftentimes, that is a problem because then you really can't hear. Yeah, Blunt was like that, Senator Blunt, because he would never wear headphones because he didn't want to mess up his hair. I knew you were going to say the <laughs> hair. I freaking knew it. He didn't want to mess up his hair. He so he wouldn't have... he wouldn't wear headphones so he it didn't matter so while you're talking he's like <laughs> <laughs> and so that's Senator Blunt was at that meeting yesterday so th- 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 again here's the thing and I don't know whether or not that this and again I'm not gonna yesterday I was obsessive over it I was loud about it I was scaring Gia and. <laughs> Um, oh, you haven't been on the air with me before, have you? Okay, Gia, here's, you're going to get a little lesson on what it's like to be on the air with me. You're going to look at me sometimes thinking, oh my gosh, He's really uh, do I have to leave or am I, and then, then you're going to listen to little George Winston with me. So that's kind of, that's how things work out sometimes. But I watched this meeting and I believe that, that, that it was a huge insult to Missourians not only not just to have the meeting, which was one thing, but to allow Claire McCaskill to lord over the meeting. And then in the aftermath for Republicans to bray about how this never happened before and to just kind of stomp on Greitens' grave. It's bad enough you didn't come to his assistance and you let this guy get run out on a rail after we duly elected him, only to have everybody decide that nothing that was important before he was resigning is now important. Dark money, whatever. You just don't care anymore. 
and and now suddenly you're you're, you're going to sit here and dangle his dead body in front of us. You're out of your minds, all right? And and we don't like your little configuration right there. We don't like your little cabal. We don't we don't like you all pretending like everything is back to your normal because it's not back to ours. Our normal happened on November 8th, 2016. That was our normal. Our normal was not June 12th or whatever the hell it was when you had that meeting. That's not our normal. Our normal isn't Claire McCaskill sitting in a Republican governor's office and then lording over it and then and then being and while the others are all called others by the post dispatch you republicans allowed this to happen i was thinking last night i was like who who allowed that to happen who allowed that configuration to go on who allowed because apparently blaine luchtemeyer was there and hartzler was there and i didn't see any of them you know why because claire mccaskill was sitting right next to parson she loved that who, photo. Who, who arranged that? Mm-hmm. Who arranged for Claire McCaskill to sit next to Parson? And why did Republicans allow it to happen? And you know what? It is all about optics. It is all about how things look. This is a Fox News alert. And, and it is ab- about how President things are, are, are supposed to go for us in terms of keeping what we solidified in November, on November 8th, alive. Not to watch you all kill it off. But somebody allowed that picture to happen. Somebody allowed Claire McCaskill to sit next to Mike Parson. That should not have happened. Any political consultant, any Republican worth his salt would not have allowed that to happen. But, it, but they did, and there had to be a reason for it. And there had to be some complicit nature about this with the other people in there. Why didn't Ann Wagner raise hell? What's this wench doing sitting right here when I'm, you know, she wouldn't use the word wench. I wouldn't either. It's a horrible word. Somebody would use it, though. I know out there. Some of you mean people out there would use it. I wouldn't use that. No. But I'm just saying, you know, what is she doing sitting next to, you realize we're in a, in a U.S. Senate election of a lifetime, don't you, right? Don't you know that? Yes. And by the way, I guarantee you, none of those people in that room voted for President Trump. I can't guarantee you that, yeah. but I can pretty much tell you that most of those people in that room did not support President Trump. Maybe they voted for him, but they didn't support him. None of those people in that room, I can pretty much guarantee you. So that was an embarrassing moment, and and, uh, doubling back now, by the way, we'll get to the point where Claremont's Caskill, we're wondering if she took the bus to Jefferson City or the airplane. Because that's now made national news, this woman who is claiming to be Mrs. Main Street, deciding she's going to be Mrs. Jetstream instead. It's an unbelievable story. All because of a broken drawer, apparently, in the bus, which is really amazing. But anyway, going back to what happened last night in the variety of these primaries, where never Trumpers got their butts handed to them. When are you all going to learn? We kept telling you in November. We kept telling you in the run-up to the 2016 election. You don't understand what the American people are thinking. And when are you guys in Jefferson City and all at this meeting going to learn that you can't 
shoehorn an attitude into this political system anymore. We're the ones who control the ballot box. When are you going to learn? When are you going to finally get it that you can't sit here and grab the steering wheel again and think that you're, and which is what they're doing right now in Jefferson City. That meeting was the Republican establishment mm-hmm. grabbing the steering wheel away from us. And they shouldn't be allowed to do that. They're still trying. And it's amazing how they, how, how they, they are so tone deaf. And you know what? Luke DeMaio will probably win. We need to have his, his – I, I know his opponent. I was going to have him on the air uh, in the primary. I should have him on. I should have him on. I, I can't remember. I was so busy. We were so busy with this event. And Doug Jowes is going to be on later on, by the way, to, to bust it down for us. But I was so busy, I can't I, – I never got the guy on. So maybe I'll get him on tomorrow. He'll have some things to say about this. So we'll follow up on that guy and have him in. I can't remember his name. Chadwick something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm sorry, buddy. I really. Uh, he's in our email. He we yeah. he emailed us and and dude, I'm really sorry about this. Chadwick Bicknell. Yeah, Chadwick Bicknell. And I get. I should have him on because uh, I should uh, put my money where my mouth is in terms of promoting these candidates who are Trump supporters and who are supporters of the things that we think about and, and talk about. So, Chadwick, I'm sorry I put you off until this time. But, you know, it's only August 7th is a primary, so we, got, we have some time. But I want to I get him on. But these folks, when are they going to learn? When are they going to learn? Well, you know what? They better, they better, they should have watched the election results last night because you know what? This is a Fox News alert, you know, right? This is a Fox News alert. They always do that. <laughs> they, they do a Fox News alert. And and tell me a story that happened twelve hours ago. Yeah, I know, it's ridiculous. Every every time the commercial break ends, they always have to come in with this is a Fox News alert. Yeah, and it really isn't a news alert. It's just the news. Yeah, I'm and, sure and, they and, tested it. And they were like, oh, oh sure this. they did, because it may, when they ring that bell yeah. and everything, it's like Pavlov's dog. We all go <laughs> <laughs> breaking news. What do you mean? <laughs> it's true. And they, they, use, they use the breaking news in the Fox News alert. Breaking news this morning, and it's something that went on three, four hours before. But, yeah, the, fi- the bell works for, for them because it, it makes us all, like, pay attention. So, uh, and we do. This is a Fox News alert. Candidates backed by President Trump scoring wins tonight. Some- this, th- that was a Fox News alert, though. Now, I don't know whether that was what – this is Shannon Bream and – this is so I guess technically this would be an alert because they're talking about the election results. So I'll give them that. So I'll give them the bell this <laughs> time. Devoted Trump supporter Corey Stewart, defender of Confederate statues. Mm. Um, like Shannon Bream, I've interviewed her. She's really nice. Uh, and how is it that that makes it into your description of the guy, defender of Confederate statues. And let me tell you something, though. Keep in mind, when someone defends a statue's existence in a park put there by daughters of Confederate soldiers or put there by a duly elected council or government and put into a park... I would not say that that's necessarily a defender of Confederate statues. That's a defender of common sense right. and of history. 
because when you when you call somebody a defender of co- Confederate statues, and plus I, I can't figure out why they're doing that. Why why are you doing that? Because when you say defender of Confederate statues, and Shannon Bream might not mean that negatively, but you're saying it, it's, it's a pejorative almost. Yes. And, and it shouldn't be uh, because there are many people who defended, for instance, uh, the uh, existence of the statue in Forest Park that was ultimately removed. But that doesn't mean you're defending the Confederacy or what have you. But that's kind of the insinuation there, isn't it? Or am I being nitpicky? Oh, no, no. They do that because that, that's a hot-button issue. So, you know, it's it, everything has, like, a pattern when they do this. It's breaking news, and then it's controversial, and, you know, it, it's, it's all this ratings, you know? Corey Stewart, defender of Confederate statues. <laughs> Actually, more importantly to this whole issue here, and even though this is in Virginia, and we did have that Confederate statue issue in Virginia, I get it, but he's really a defender of common sense in President Trump. That's the story. The story is that all these people who supported President Trump prevailed, and the ones who didn't, didn't. The winning uh, Virginia GOP now Senate nominee, he'll go up against Senator Tim Kaine in the fall. And in what could be another upset, incumbent South Carolina GOP Congressman Mark Sanford is trailing State Representative Katie Arrington in the bitter House Republican primary election. President Trump ripped Sanford today, saying he's better off in Argentina. Yeah, and he, he is. And that's probably where he'll go, or at least figure someplace out to go, because he won't be going back to Washington, D.C. as a congressman because Sanford wound up losing that election. And Sanford was another one of these never-Trumpers, these Jeff Flake-type guys, except uh, Jeff Flake decided not to run again, knowing he would have his rear handed to to him. And Sanford did decide to run again because he's arrogant. And so he lost that election. And so that happened on down the line. Corey Stewart, we had the governor... Uh, there in South Carolina, Henry McMaster, who uh, wound up uh, winning his uh, uh, primary as well. And Governor McMaster, he's a, he's a, a good old boy from South Carolina yeah. and, and a good guy, actually. People really love him. But boy, does he love President Trump. He, he recalled, well, here, he's being interviewed on Breitbart News. And he talked about the allure of uh, of President Trump. Yeah. yeah, I have never seen such enthusiasm for anybody that I have seen for President Trump. With one exception, there was some uh, close enthusiasm years ago. I went to a Beatle concert in <laughs> in uh, Seattle, Washington, uh, when I was in college, and that that's about the closest thing I've seen to the enthusiasm for President <laughs> Donald Trump. He is he is. Can you imagine? That's awesome. He went to a Beatle concert. <laughs> As he called it, <laughs> I went to a Beatle concert down there in Seattle, Washington, and he said, and, "and he said, I think that's hilarious, though." It's magnificent, and I've supported him with without waiver from the very beginning. And my opponents have not. In fact, they've done just the opposite. Yeah. Well, goodbye to them, Governor McMaster. Good for you, folks. It's not changing. I, I the left apparently gets it. Because right now they're left to be talking about how President Trump is despotic and, and horrible and, and even some of the never-Trumpers like Max Boot, who was on Don Lemon's show, uh, decided they were going to refer to President Trump as an arsonist who started a North Korea fire only to put it out. These guys haven't learned, but most people have. Yeah. I mean, even the left 
kind of knows what the writing is on the wall. So right now, the people who are refusing to surrender, a lot of them are Republicans. Yep. And, and and you saw that down in Jefferson City as they as they clung to none other than Claire McCaskill. I mean, it, it, do you realize that's kind of what they seem to be doing for whatever reason? Because many of them, I have to tell you, are in mixed districts and ultimately have maybe some dem- – they're trying to get like middle-of-the-road votes – uh, they're trying to pretend not to be conservatives, right? True conservatives, and so they're kind of going after more of the 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 middle of the road type of votes. So, to them, sitting with Claire McCaskill helps them, e- even though Claire McCaskill has fought tooth and nail against pretty much every common sense piece of legislation that President Trump and indeed the Republicans have put forward. Uh, Claire McCaskill has not been in any way, shape, or form a middle-of-the-road Democrat or a centrist Democrat, not in any way, shape, or form. They always try to paint her as such, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and and, and, the, and the, they aided her in doing that yes, uh, the day before yesterday when they, when they took that Absolutely. picture. Absolutely. They helped her. They helped Claire McCaskill in ways that you can't possibly imagine, and in ways that are unforgivable. I really want to know who set that meeting up, who made that, who because you, you know there are you, there are people who decide on seating arrangements. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Claire McCaskill just didn't wander in and take the first seat available. They they make seating arrangements there, especially in 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 matters and 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 in places uh, and meetings of that kind of import, they do they do have seating arrangements. And, and maybe there is a possibility they all kind of rushed in like you and I would and had to take a seat, but <laughs> no. I doubt it. Yeah, no. This is why we got to get you to Jefferson City. I know you were talking about that the other day. Yeah, man. You got to get there because that question that you just asked, who arranged that, that is probably the most, more important than the meeting. But everybody's afraid. I mean... This uh, this political climate right now, I, I can't believe the cowardice out there. I mean, it is it is unreal. The kind uh, you can't get anybody to talk to you about what's really going on down there because they're so afraid. And and by the way, you realize that the beheading of Eric Greitens was a message. You know that, right? You know it was designed specifically to be a message to anybody coming in from the outside that if you dare come in and try to change things, you will be hounded out of office. Now, granted, and I think Eric will admit this, the affair opened up the door for other investigations and other things. I get that. But keep in mind, most of this was not Eric Greitens doing. It was the doing of individuals who were out to get him. Because keep in mind, if if indeed they had a righteous cause, they'd still be dealing with the righteous cause. But they're not anymore. They've forgotten. They've dropped the dark money subpoena. They've dropped all of their investigations. They don't have. They've announced insufficient evidence for the crime related to the picture. So that if if they're if they're true view was we have a righteous cause 
They don't believe it now. Right. So, so the only thing I can determine is that what they really wanted was just Governor Greitens out of office. They wanted to send a message to other people who might come from the outside. And I have no doubt that the House Speaker Richardson and others were definitely in compliance with this. A lot of local Republicans were part of this, which really is disturbing. But they're scared, too, because they're afraid of the left-wing cabal that's operating, for instance, in the Parkway School District and everything else, and they know that the left can cause trouble for them, uh, mainly because they know that the left has an audience with the major St. Louis newspaper and the media. So instead of actually standing up and getting in the faces of people who are wrong, they figure out ways around them to, to avoid them instead of confronting them directly. And that's the problem we have. We have a lot of squishy local Republicans. And we also, unfortunately, have some grassroots people who simply aren't Mm -hmm. fighting hard enough uh, and and are trying, but they they can't get a leg in. They can't get they can't get a leg up and they're they're not um, they're not fighting hard enough. Yeah, because it's scary. It's scary to just as you said, if you're one of these outsiders that everybody votes in, yeah, they're excited because they have the people's vote. But like you said, once you get in there, you are in the machine, and it is a scary place. And 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 uh, I think it was, um, it was Nick that brought this up, and he said, everybody, no matter who you are, you have committed some form of crime at some point. And he said it was like up to three times a day you commit a felony or some statistic like that. That in one moment they can take you down it's not hard man if normal people three times a day commit a felony i'm (laughs) what does that say for you oh lord (laughs) i've got a rap sheet (laughs) nick schroer by the way when i offered him a chance because i want to have kind of this uh young gun freedom caucus type of show on radio free allman jumped at it and they were ready to rock and roll, and Nick is. But I will tell you, uh, in in the back scenes, I have put the word out that I want the grassroots people to have their own hour every day. Yeah, and I can't, I can't get anybody to to come to come up to come forward and, and do it. You know, and, and the only and, and and like like for instance, Ben Murphy. You know he has an excuse because he he has um, he he works. He yeah. says, "I see, I have a real job, but I want to take you up on this." But the word is out there, and there's not anybody who, I mean, you, and they have no idea that you realize that people listen to this show more than they do the shows you think they're listening to on the other dinosaur radio stations. I hope you know that. And it's like, how? Where's your blood? Where's your Where's your verve? Where's your? I mean, I I started this thing along with Ryan in three friggin' weeks, <laughs> and, and and it's open for you. What? And you and you can't come up with some plan to utilize? I mean, Mark Kaysen did. Yeah, the left winger did. Mark Casey was right on the show right away. You know, and we'll have his own show coming up. We've talked about this, and that is the complacency. Oftentimes, when things are good or when things appear good, everybody sits back, 
and says, well, things are okay. Right, but but don't you all realize that look what happened in these primaries last night. There is not a complacency in in Trump country there. And if you think there's complacency in Missouri, which was 19% above Trump, you're wrong. You're going to be the ones who are sent out to pasture cuz cuz we'll just if 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 we can't get the grassroots here to to get going, uh we'll replace you. Because there are plenty of other people who want to get in, and while the getting's good, and and we'll we'll have somebody else step in there. But I I got to tell you, it's really kind of weird. It's like um, you guys do know what's at stake here, right? So anyway, I'm, I'm not complaining. I mean, I have a lot of good people who supported this show, uh, and um, and especially uh, America First Missouri who have stepped up and, and uh, Diane Neff and Sue Weaver and Ben Murphy and Annette Reed and those kind of guys. But, you know, they, they're, they're busy too. But I'm just saying that we're, we're open for business here uh, to, to utilize this network as a means of promoting common sense. And it doesn't matter whether it's through the grassroots or through the young gun freedom fighters like Nick and the rest of the gang out there. Uh, or it is uh, uh, Gia Valenti and Suzanne Vanker who are promoting common sense on the cultural level, or Mark Kaysen who <laughs> is uh, whatever he's doing. <laughs> he's a friend of mine, so I'll let him do whatever that is within reason. So you know that that kind of thing. We we need to populate these because. You're not getting that from the other people out there. They're all pigeons. They're, they're people who are afraid of their corporations, who have uh, – they, they watched as the, the person who basically made a radio station what it is put out the pasture in short order. They watched that happen. How do you think they're behaving now over at that radio station? They're, they're, they're scared to death. So, so what, what, kind of, what kind of fire are you going to get from people there who watched the titular head of their radio station assassinated right in front of their eyes? Oh, they, they, they didn't even watch it. They all turned their backs. Right. And ultimately, this company, they don't care about this radio station. They don't care about that radio station. And... They 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 make money all over the joint, all over the country. They don't care about that radio station, and they'll take it from you in the blink of an eye if they want to. Yes, they'll they'll and and they and they just might. So, because keep in mind, if they they had no cause to get rid of me, and. They certainly, it certainly couldn't have been financial unless they just didn't want to pay me the kind of money they were paying me. It couldn't have been financial because the, because I was making them money even during the controversy where advertisers were wanting to double up. And if, if they somehow want to cloak all of their reasoning in some steakhouse deciding not to do trade anymore, or a uh, a weak 
cowardly real estate agency that is listening to other people uh, and then begging to come back, by the way, the, uh, the day before I was fired. If they want to stake all their claims in those, t- those, those entities, that's great because I've got seven of them to show you who uh, no longer want to be with the, with the radio station anymore and many of them who aren't, by the way. So they, it can't be anything financial there. So it was only either to send a message or for David Field, mm-hmm. who is the intercom CEO, he, he's the one who made nobody at that radio station in the management realm, no one was offended by that tweet. At least if they were, they didn't say tell me that they were. Because all they did was, hey, keep quiet, don't say anything, we'll take care of it, it'll blow over. So right now, in in their response to my lawsuit, they're claiming, oh, this tweet was terrible, this tweet was terrible. (laughs) Oh, it was? Well, then why didn't you fire me when you saw it? Why, why, Why didn't you, why didn't you, why did you tell me not to say anything about it because it would all blow over? Why did you tell me that? Well, we think it'll just people will just go away. Why? Why didn't? Why did you tell me that? Why did you not allow me? If you thought it was so offensive, why didn't you demand that at the very least you make a statement talking about how offensive it was? But you never did. You never did. Even when you got rid of me, you didn't say you were offended by it. No, nope. because because you know what? You wanted me. Why did you give me a document? that said, hey, here's a bunch of money. All you have to say is that we mutually agree to separate and that we won't talk anymore about it. If, you were, if this was so offensive and vulgar, why, did you, why, did you, why didn't you say it at the time? Now they're saying it. Oh, yeah. But they certain, there's nothing in anything they did that reflects any amount of outrage over this tweet, none. Even the even the regional manager of multiple intercom stations, who is based in Kansas City, Dave Alper, when when we told him about it earlier in the week that there was some you know that Stacy Newman was planning her boycotts and that kind of stuff, we told him about it earlier in the week, uh, and and then when we didn't hear from him over the weekend about it, that my my. One of my bosses called him, and he'd forgotten about it. What was that? You what was that going on again? Oh, the tweet. Oh, yeah, they they had forgotten about it. And it wasn't until Sinclair actually acted, which is what they were all waiting for, is that they they did something. It wasn't until Sinclair acted on it that that they they acted because they, they if Sinclair had not done anything, they wouldn't have done anything. And they told me that, and that's in writing. Mm-hmm. And that's in emails, and that's in tweets, and that's in not tweets, but in text messages and everything else. So, you know, and and, you, and, and, and if you don't think I was saving text yeah. messages throughout this entire <laughs> thing, you're out of your tree. Well, and I hate to make these parallels, but there is a lot of parallels in this with Greitens and kind of the Republicans turning their back on Greitens. Uh, because they sensed, you know, the heat was a little yeah. too hot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
these radio stations that conservatives are counting on, if the pressure gets too hot, man, they are out. They will turn their back in a moment. And these are people you're resting your elections on. And it's pressure from people on the left. Yes. It's not pressure from people on the right. No. It's not even pressure from advertisers who are saying, please don't get rid of him. We'll buy more advertising. We'll reward you. There's an outfit called Tactical SHIT, you know, blank, you, yeah. know, you know those guys, good guys out there, who said, who told the radio station, we will start advertising on his show if you, if you keep him. Just so you know. So... Advertiser after advertiser was just, you know, right in there digging in. So you're, the people who were supporting my show were supporting me monetarily, but they still had and, – and people were wanting to go, so, oh, so what are you going to do about money now and blah, blah, blah. And I go, well, listen, first of all, I worked a long time in this business, and I'm not dumb. And I have been able to – you know, I didn't have – my job handed to me at my bar mitzvah, yeah, like the CEO of Entercom did. So daddy didn't have the didn't daddy didn't have my company, and, and didn't didn't give it to me on my bar mitzvah. So I I I I I, I had to earn everything I had, and I built everything I had, and I banked a lot of things that I had. So I don't worry about this right now. I'm always ready to rock and roll and, and, and keep going. Uh, so I, I don't have, but I don't have the luxury. I didn't have the luxury of just having things handed to me. And that's why, you know, he was probably able to make this like a decision like he made, because if, 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 if you don't have anything to lose and you've never really actually truly gained anything, you've had everything handed to you, then of course you're going to make stupid decisions based on whether or not your other buddies in the East Coast loafer liberal crowd are going to be happy with it. So that's that's how that whole thing went down. But again, we've kind of gone full circle here. But back to back to this whole thing, it's the the trend is very disturbing. But 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 the problem is though that. <laughs> Like, for instance, my company, uh, the company and the radio station thought they killed me off and didn't. And now they're fighting to keep me from working, basically. That's what they're doing right now. They, they don't want me to work. They haven't yet filed an injunction to get rid of this thing, but they're indicating that it's threatening them. So, uh, and and you knock yourself out proving... That that I'm outdoing you because I'm sure the advertisers would love to hear about hear about how I'm outdoing you when they're busting their asses to pay money to keep you on the air. Yeah, what an awkward spot yeah. to be. In. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's better than us. Ooh. Don't tell he, the advertisers that. <laughs> it's a breach of contract. He's better than us. It's like okay, that that that'll work out for for you. So. Uh, but but so they want they want to keep me off the air. They want to keep me from m making money with my advertisers after they've decided they don't want me. So that's that's the kind of of media and and, and corporate cabal you have. And that then you have in the Jefferson City level you have the Republican cabal there that after they, they after they got rid of Eric Greitens, 
they want to make sure that the message is pounded into you that they are the ones who are in charge, that they have the steering wheel. And that's how you get a picture of Claire McCaskill sitting next to, to Mike Parson while you're the Congress people you worked hard to elect look like just simply hood ornaments aside from her and are even referred to as others by the Post-Dispatch. Your Republican Party, your governor's office allowed that to happen. They allowed Ann Wagner, Blaine Luchtemeyer, Vicki Hartzler to be window dressing. In the Republican governor's office, they allowed that to happen. That tells you everything you need to know about whether or not they have your interests at heart or the interests of the swamp and all this mythical bipartisanship thing going on. Just so you know. And you called this weeks ago when this all came out. And I know you kind of caught a little people like, well, give him a give him a break. He's a former sheriff. He's a former sheriff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you had all, and you were like, I get it. But I'm just telling you, and you were explaining it to me. The swamp down there is deep and it's disgusting, and and it's formidable. I mean it it is it is formidable, and, and I guarantee you, and I, I don't really want to. I don't know. I, I'm. I, I'm. I, this is all. This. I'm concerned about this, and I'm going to get Governor Parson on as soon as he is available for a more longer interview. But I'm. I'm concerned that these guys are not concerned enough about 2020, and I'm concerned that there are certain things going on where you you have Republicans and Democrats who are cooperating. But they're not cooperating in our interests. And that's why it was great to have Governor Greitens down there. Because cooperation isn't shouldn't be the, the prized thing in politics. I mean, the founding fathers, imagine, imagine that they negotiated with the British <laughs> over, over, over freedom. Imagine had the founding fathers decided, well, you know... We need a level of cooperation. We need to get the, we need to get things done. But they didn't. You know what they did? They said we need to get things undone. And and they risked their lives and indeed many died to undo that kind of thing. They didn't they didn't have some they didn't have some British representative at the constitutional convention <laughs> just in case. <laughs> uh, and and you're thinking, well, yeah, but this is a little Weird of a weird of an analogy because we're not in that. Th- yeah, we are. We kind of are. And and I've I've never believed. I've always believed that a certain level of bipartisanship is overrated. It's the reason why we have President Trump. Because we've had 30, 40 years of Republicans and Democrats working together, and all we've gotten are horrible trade deals, a porous border, a weakened military. More terrorism. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it? What is it about the past twenty years that people don't get? But but they did get it on November eighth in two thousand sixteen. Americans did get it, and 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 if you think that they're going to let it go, you're crazy. But but Americans did get it, and and 
They understood what happened the past 20 years, and, and it was the Ronald Reagan, are you better off than you were, well, 20 years ago. Right. And it, it was a pretty resounding, no, not at all. It doesn't matter. Even, even when it came to health care, pharmaceutical costs and all that kind of stuff, it, was, it, it didn't change. I, I will say I, I'm always fascinated on social media because I think you can really get, as much as people knock social media, you get a pretty good vibe for the feelings on social media of the country and where people are at. Yesterday, it was stunning to scroll through my news feed on Facebook. I mean, America feels like it is winning. Oh, yeah. I mean... Even the left, because, of course, I have left-wing, you know, friends and family on there. And they're just almost radio silent on the deal. Because what can you even say when you are just, uh, when freedom is at its peak? Well, if you're on CNN, you want to hear what you say? Here, listen to this. This is Max, this. let's put, because I have some other dictators that he's had nice words for. Let's put that on hold for a second, okay? And, and talk about what... This is drunk Don Lemon talking about how President Trump is really kind of a suck-up-to-a-dictator type of guy. And that's, that's the sum... Now, that's the sum total of how they're viewing President Trump talking to Kim Jong-un. What Scott said, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're, at least we're off the brink of a nuclear war. Well, wasn't that the president's rhetoric in the first place that put us in that? And if you and all- actually, actually, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the president's rhetoric at all that put us on the brink. And, and that's typical un-American CNN who will default to blaming, for instance, an American president instead of the guy who threatened to nuke Hawaii or whatever it was or, or the Philippines or our allies. It was Kim Jong-un who was threatening to do this. You do remember that, right? Don Lemon doesn't. But it was Kim Jong-un who, who elicited the response from President Trump. And the response from President Trump was hardcore and deliberate. But it wasn't President Trump because in the past, as President Trump pointed out, other leaders, Kim Jong-un would say something and we just keep quiet and, and buy him something else, to, to, another toy just to keep him quiet. And that those days are over. But, that, but Don Lemon believes the fact that President Trump even responded means somehow that, that he, he was All you have to bridge. do, I, I'm wondering here, did you need to have this summit in order to get what these two people got this year? Yeah, because my president, my black president, just wrote a check. <laughs> my black president just stuffed an airplane full of cash and sent it over to Iran. Who needs a summit when you have that kind of foreign policy? I'm a, I know I don't need to have a summit. I'm just going to I'm just going to uh, fill up that 737 with a bunch of cash. Send it over there. Who needs a summit, right, Don? Yeah, no. Who needs a summit? Short little letter that basically said, and this is a key. I don't know if anyone else has noticed that. It's number 3. The whole crux of this. It says, reaffirming the April 27, 2018 Panmunjom Declaration, the DPRK commits to work toward complete denuclearization. Now we know Don Lemon can read, apparently. Nuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Well, that was decided <sighs> back in April, and that's what they have been working for all along. So do they need to do this, Max? No. Do they need to do this, Max? You know who Max Boot is, right? He's a, he is a sick, demented, never-Trumper. This guy is obsessed with Donald Trump.
Max Boot. He is of the National Review Never Trumper generation. He's the Eric Erickson mm -hmm. Red State Never Trump kook who would have been more than happy to have Hillary in office so that he could write another book about how the sky is falling and sell it like Glenn Beck would do uh, based on fear-mongering and everything else. Boy, boy I, that's a one great thing about Trump's election is he put these so-called conservative writers out of business, and they hated it. They hated it. No, I mean, I think you're exactly right, Don, that a lot of the reason why we were on the brink of nuclear war last year, I mean, part of it, to be sure, was because of the North Korean nuclear test Thanks, and the missile Max, test, but that. also because of the... Yeah that, yeah, that little North Korean missile test thing. Yeah. Well, you know, part of it might have been a little missile test thing, but otherwise, you know, but the, you know, yeah, it was pretty much everything about the missile test. When you're uh, Kim Jong Un and you're testing nuclear missiles, that's a provocative act. Yeah, especially with South Korea sitting down there, like, um, yeah. we have a potential to have a nuclear bomb yeah. put pointed at us. Even Max Boot isn't dumb enough <sighs> to forget about that. But he was, but he's like, yeah, I know. There was that little missile thing. The reckless and irresponsible rhetoric from Donald Trump ratcheting up uh, the, the tensions. Yeah, that and reckless and irresponsible reaction to a missile test, which was, don't do the missile test. Test our missiles are bigger than yours, and that's not really reckless. That's you tell. That's that's you finally not being a pussy. <laughs> which is what America is kind of sick of our leaders being. And not letting Kim Jong-un run the show. Not letting the 34-year-old little boy who had his country bequeathed to him, like the intercom CEO did, his company, uh, direct life here. And so now this is kind of the arsonist getting credit for putting out the fire. <laughs> yeah. There Gosh. you go. I mean, that's unbelievable. Max Boot, they call him global affairs analyst. Uh, but what's striking to me about the summit is how little Donald Trump got in return for legitimating Kim Jong-un on the world stage. How do we know how little he got? Yeah. How do we know anything about how little he got? What did we get from Iran when everybody's personal Jesus sent a boatload of cash over there? Uh, nothing. We got Iran doing what Jim Carafano and even somebody as dumb as me predicted would happen, and that is them just simply carrying on with their nuclear war program. Keep in mind, North Korea's got to the point of a missile test. Do you, do you know why they got to the point of a missile test? Because George W. Bush, mm -hmm. Bill Clinton, Barack Obama let him. That's why they let him. So... North Korea wasn't missile testing with nuclear weapons back 20 years ago when we had a chance to, but, but, but they were causing problems and rattling sabers and everything else when Bill Clinton made that, uh, that, that deal with him in 1994. But their level of expertise and involvement in the missile development, nuclear missile development, only increased over the past 20 years. It didn't decrease. So the missile test itself was testimony to the fact that we just did we sat by and didn't right. do anything. That's, that's, and keep in mind, you realize that Kim Jong Un got rid of three big military guys in his so-called cabinet, if, it, if you if, if you will.
And these are individuals who uh, want, who depended largely, because keep in mind, the North Korean military and its leaders need to boost the fears of the North Korean people to keep their military-industrial complex mm-hmm. going. It, uh, you, you see some similarities there in this country, for instance, in some cases, or you did. And so these three people that Kim Jong-un got rid of represented that wing of the North Korean government and military that needed to stay relevant and needed the fear that they were isolated on the world stage and needed nuclear weapons, So, and he got rid of them. And that's a pretty good indication that Kim Jong-un is serious about advancing mm-hmm. North Korea. And I love, did you see, well, we'll, do, we'll deal with this later because we have to get to the national anthem and take a break here. But so, so much to talk about. Him. Did you see the video that was made to show awesome. Kim Jong-un what life would be like if he just were a normal person? Jamie, you have no idea. See, this is why I truly I love Trump. I mean, this is what people just do not understand how good he is at this. I mean, if it is this is you are watching the art of the deal. I mean, that video, I mean... The idea that I tell you what we're going to do, we're going to give him a vision. Yeah, I mean, and we'll we'll deal with that eventually. But uh, that that is a great example of how, uh, and and the media saw it as they thought it was North Korean propaganda. That's how idiotic they are. But we'll deal with that on the other side of this. We'll get to that because the video really is amazing. But it was it was groundbreaking in the sense that that the United States finally is getting it. We should have been doing this in Iraq. We should have been doing this all over the world. We should, this, it's called propaganda. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's about time the United States started to utilize a propaganda machine because that is, should be part of the whole process of dealing with despotic leaders and everything else is you have to convince them beyond your military might that there is a world that could be theirs and that is engaging them in the world economy. We'll deal with that in a little bit. Plus, we have uh, good news coming out of L.A. There's a seven-year-old trans child who won the L.A. Pride Parade. So you could see him or her or whatever they're calling that person uh, marching down the street, and it's uh, quite interesting to see. We've got that going for us. Doug Giles is on the way. And also news that the man who is the menace to the world, President Trump, has now created a country or actually developed a country or changed the perception of a country so much so that there's a possibility that we might get a World Cup. Now, if you had told somebody that before the election, Jeb Bush, we can't get a World Cup with... A despotic person like President Trump in there. Uh, Yeah, the World Cup might be coming. And yeah, do we need to watch more grown men (laughs) flailing on the ground, faking injuries for a card, a a yellow card or whatever the hell the ref gives? No, but it still would be fun to have the World Cup here. Agreed. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I, yeah, there's only so much you can take. I don't have to watch the World Cup because right. I really don't like to watch grown men writhing on the ground, faking like their knee hurts. Because that's what soccer is. But, but nonetheless, I, I think the, having the World Cup here will be great. 
well, you know what? What a better time for our national anthem. Oh, see, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last glimmering whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the rain we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the moon's blessing in gave proof to the night that our flag was still there oh say does that star spangled banner yet wave the land of the free and the home of the 
Yes, people. Good morning this morning. Red Wheel Free Almond right here, baby, from the Discovery Design Studios. And we're going to have uh, Doug Giles on in just a little bit to kind of break down uh, the weekend before where, man, he did a great job and we had a great fun and a great turnout. And in spite of the weather, it worked out really well. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we had a little typical June summer storm that popped through. But nonetheless, we had a we had a great time, and Doug's going to be on with us just a little later on. A lot of people responding to the, you know, listen, I'm not trying to, listen, we, we're glad there's a Republican as a governor, and I'm not trying to harm uh, Mike Parson, but, uh, but they owe us down there, and, and, and you grab the steering wheel, people, uh, and, and, and took out Governor Greitens, and we're going to be paying attention to what you're up to and, and what you're doing and how this is rolling. And again, you can't manufacture uh, the attraction to the swamp. I mean, you know, um, there's, there's, a, there's a Bonnie Raitt song, um, I can't make you love me if you don't. And you can't make us love you if we don't. I like that song. I'm find it. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I can't make you love me. As soon as you said don't. it, I was like, "Oh, he's googling it." I can't make this is this is a song to the. <laughs> this is the song to for. Let me just see here. Hang on. Give me give me a second here. Uh, I <laughs> I knew it was coming. They well, she's not coming. the only one who um, who has sung it, but um, it just so happens. Bonnie Raitt's here. great. Oh yeah, she's fantastic. There's a song out to all the Republican swamp monsters out there. It's not really to you, it's you singing it. Now. So this would be a song you should be singing if you're a member of the swamp to us. And then our response is, yeah, you're right, we don't. We don't. Turn down the lights. <laughs> Turn down the bed. Turn down these voices inside my head. Lay down with me. Tell me no lies. Nope, not gonna do it. Just hold me close. You're pretty. Don't patronize. You're a redhead. This is better, too. Don't patronize. <laughs> I won't. Because I can't make you love me if you don't. I don't. I'm not coming over there. You can't make your heart feel something it won't. It won't. Do it. If you don't, I don't. I don't. 
Republican GOP there love you don't feel just keep scrolling their photos when you're holding me and hold you morning will come and I'll do what right morning will come and I will be gone just give me till <laughs> then I, t- I called the I called an Uber I'm out <laughs> I'm over at the IHOP So yeah, good song ruined by swamp talk. But that's that. But that's what it is. I mean, you 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 can't don't steal our governor, chop our governor's knees off, push him out of the mansion, and then suddenly act like everything's okay and you can drive my truck. It's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of like there's a song. Oh, oh no! Let me see. Come on. <laughs> Hang on. You relate everything to a song, actually. <laughs> or, on, a movie, or a movie. Uh, hold on. I, there's a song. I don't know what it's called. That's not my truck. Hold on. No, it's not. Uh, it's not my truck. It, it's, it, I'll find it. It's, it's, um, it's a guy who is driving around. Somebody on Facebook will know it. Oh, yeah. He's driving around, and apparently he's split from his wife or something, or his wife dumped him. And so he's driving by, and he sees all of his stuff in the yard. It's like, that's not my truck. That's not my... Um, I know this. It's a yeah, country song. Yeah, um, yeah man. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Because, like, she's cheating on him. Because there's another truck parked in the driveway. Wait a second. Is that Tim McGraw? I don't know, man. Let me just see. I just, just, just Google it. Oh, it's not somebody, my truck. Nobody's fool? Uh, Amy? Amy says nobody's fool. No, let's see. No, hold Here on. We go. Here we go. This is good. Um, oh, it's Red Aiken. That, that, yeah, that's 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 not really him. That's that's old. Yeah, that's an old one. Um, it's I, my my truck that parked outside. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know exactly what. Yeah, it's like really a sad like. It, well, yeah. 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 It's not my dog or. Or that was my Who's dog. the man running my life? Who's oh, yeah. that man? Yes. Let me, let me see this. Thank again. you. Good. Thank you. Who was that? Thank you, Brandy. Who's that man run? Okay. Who? Uh, here, let me Who's see. Who's that, that man running my life? Here, let me get it. Who? Toby Key? Everybody's saying Toby Key. Yeah. I love Toby Keith. I do. Uh, he, he sang um, American Soldier. It's a great one. Uh, is it is it called Who's That Man Running My Life? Yeah, I think so. No, it does not coming up. Hold on. Yeah, there it is. I got it. Toby Keith. Hold on. Oh gosh, I hate when they play an ad. Well, here I got here. it right here. It's fine. I it, it's um, it's uh. There you go. Yeah. Give it some volume. 
good song too. He's in the pickup truck as he's this driving. This is me. This is how I feel when I'm driving by the Missouri State Capitol. I see Mike Parson in the governor's office. Turn left at the old hotel. I know this boulevard must turn well. It hasn't changed since I've been gone. Ah, oh, this used to be my way home. They paved the road through the neighborhood. I guess the county finally fixed it good. It was getting rough. We just clear McCaskill's RV. Someone finally complained. He's driving down drive the new road. What? Fight the tears back with a smile. Stop and look for a little while. Oh, it's plain to see. The only thing missing is me. Yes, what? That's my house. That's my car. That's my dog in my backyard. And it's Claire McCaskill there, too. I did, and now Claire McCaskill's peeing on it because the RV's bathroom doesn't work. It's Parsons. Well, I am a former sheriff after all, so I'm going to have everybody in. I'm bipartisan. going to have everybody in my office. It's a great song. That's yeah, old school Toby Keith too. I mean, uh, he looks completely different in that video. Yeah, you know, um, you'd also do uh, do this one here, and, and this is this is this would be this would be a forlorn song from uh, none other than a great man named George Jones, and uh, he, and if you had to go through a like a like. It's a sad song about how he and his wife, you know, they used to have all these good times, and I felt like, you know, it was, it was, you know, and so, so he wanted to, he, he, he is inviting you in to his house for the grand tour, okay, and and he wants to take you on the grand tour of all the great things. So this would be me inviting you. Into the Missouri State Capitol, okay. Smushed in with the governor's mansion, okay. And in the aftermath of Governor Greitens right. being pushed out, and now it's just a house of uh, you know. Step right up, no. come on in. If you'd like to take the grand tour of the lonely house that one. Live in that mansion, that capital. I have nothing here to sell you. Just some things that I will tell you. Some things I know will chill you to the bone. Yeah, like Claire McCaskill's here. Hello. Over there sits the chair. Where she'd bring the paper to yeah, those are the days, buddy. and sit down on my neck and whisper, oh, I love you. George Jones is the, you know what. But now 
she's gone forever and this old house will never be the same that's the truth without the That's, that's how we as Missouri voters feel when we see Parson and Claire McCaskill as one big happy family down there and the others supporting it. Luke DeMeyer, Wagner, Hartzler. Yeah, we've never seen this kind of bipartisanship before. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It we got- never had this administration. This is fantastic. It got gushy. Lord, what's that, what's that song called? The Grand Tour, buddy. The Grand Tour. Oh, the Grand Tour. Yeah, I went to. I, you know, I, I, you know, the whole story about me and George Jones, right? No, you don't. No, I think I think most people do. I don't want to tell it over again, but uh, um, I um, I went to George Jones's funeral down in Nashville, and. I wound up at his funeral in rather odd circumstances. Like, I, I love George Jones and always have. Okay. And so one day I said uh, that I was playing, like, a bumper music with George Jones in it. And I said, you know, George Jones is like my Elvis. And if he ever passes away, I'm going to his funeral for sure. I'm going to be there just like people went to Elvis's funeral. And uh, he died the next morning. I know. That's really <laughs> weird. <laughs> okay. And I, there wasn't anything in the paper or, any, or anything in the news about him being sick or anything. It wasn't, you know. He, I mean, he died the next morning. So it wasn't like I could have said that. And then if he died like a year later, it could have like been. And maybe had a couple people go, didn't you say you were going to go to? Nah, I wasn't. I can't, yeah. I can't really be. You know, I, I actually did want to go, uh, and so I, I went down down to Nashville. Wow! And, and and boy, that was one hell of a funeral. It was right there at the uh, Ryman Auditorium of the Grand Ole Opry, yep. and his casket was right below the stage. Wow! And they, and I remember going in there, and they were kind of piping in this this kind of fog, like this misty fog. And I had had some seating that I had arranged because it was hard to get in, you know. The night before, I had gone out there, and everybody had a story to tell about the muskrat, you know, about how he, the, the possum would, uh, they call him the possum because he'd disappear or never show up or whatever. <laughs> and pretty much everybody had a story where they went to go see him, and he didn't show up for the concert. <laughs> Which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Because I took the whole group down there, the whole show down there to um, Arnold to see him at the at a high school, Ar- Arnold Auditorium. I still have my T-shirt and everything from him. And nicest guy in the world, but interesting, very complicated character. So they had the they had the entirety of the of the uh, of the uh, get up there with all this all the mist yeah. and fog and his casket right there and his family. And there was uh, Randy Travis was there. Wow. Uh, and he sang up there. And Kid Rock sang a song up there for um, George. Because he and George Jones apparently were tight together, just kind of in an off, sure. off, off way. Uh, and so it was pretty, pretty amazing. 
Pretty cool. Yeah, that's amazing. I like how they treated the funeral like a rock concert. Yeah. It, well, more like, a, yeah, it was. it was Country Western Jubilee. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> really great testimonials. And then I was standing right there when his uh, hearse left the thing. And it just was, it was surreal, dude. Oh. There's, there's, uh, there's um, pictures up there. Uh, there's, there's video up there on the web somewhere of me down there. Did my videos and things. Can't remember when that was, 2010 or 11 or something like that. But you guys forget, you know. Again, back to back to uh, back to the U.S. and back to to Missouri. Don't forget what our attitude is here: uh, uh, the Trump nation and the Trump voters and conservatives and people who voted for Trump. We aren't going to be given up and. For us, it's party time. And when we see you, you're buzzkilling us. You're a buzzkill. You're, you're, you're old news. And what we're seeing down in the Jefferson City right now is similar to what, we're, we're, what was attempted in, in the swamp up in D.C., which was the Lindsey Grahams and the Paul Ryans of the world and the Jeff Flakes of the world trying to wrestle and 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 the and the and the deep state trying to wrestle this leader from us, and it's not happening. And and we'll be we'll be back in November of 2018, and we'll be back in November of 2020. And if you think that's going to change, look at the election results from last night, where everybody who didn't support President Trump lost. Keep in mind. 2018, for a lot of the Republicans who were wishy-washy about Trump, might still be okay. But 2020 will be the time where where there are going to be a lot of candidates developed who are on the record and have been on the record of supporting Trump, and they should be rewarded by voters. Because, you know, we're we're partying. This is all about the the, 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 the party. We don't give a rip about you, Swamp now, People. Now, Red Solo Cup is the best receptacle for barbecues, tailgates, fairs, and festivals. And you, sir, do not have a pair of testicles if you prefer drinking from glass. Yeah. Hey, Red Solo Cup is cheap <laughs> and disposable. In 14 years, they are decomposable. And unlike my home, they are not foreclosable. Freddie Mac can kiss my ass. Woo! Red Solo Cup. I fill you up. Let's have a party. Let's have a party. I love you, Red Solo Cup. I lift you up. Proceed to party. Proceed to party. Now, I really love how you're easy to stack, but I really hate how you're easy to crack. Because when beer runs down front of my back well that my friends is quite yucky but i have to admit that the ladies get smitten admiring how sharply my first name is written on you with a sharpie when i get to hitting on them to help me get lucky red solo cup i fill you up so just so you know we are not only trump nation but we are the red solo cup nation and you all trying to go back to your crystal 
and your glass there in Jefferson City and in D.C., watch out because we are there and we're the Red Solo Cup Nation. It's just putting it that way. Amazing song again. A theme to the uh, show today. Yes. (laughs) Things are working out, people. I love, speaking of cups, how about the fact that the U.S. is in line to possibly get the World Cup? Wait a minute. You mean the country whose president is a xenophobic, nuclear warmongering crazy? Yeah, that one. That one. This is coming from, uh, by the way, a... Um, oops, I turned it down, sorry. Time such a vote has taken place since Russia and Qatar were controversially awarded tournaments eight years ago. This time it's a two-horse race between Morocco and a joint bid from the USA, Canada and Mexico. The United 2026 bid has been viewed as a low-risk option. It'll be the first ever 48-team format requiring a minimum of 12 stadiums. United 2026 has promised 16. So... Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. in line for a joint operation that will have the World Cup here. Now, Morocco, maybe, but imagine how great it will be to have the World Cup here. And, and again, if, if, if you can, Red Solo Cup Nation, if you can put up with a writhing, grown man, on the ground faking like he has a knee injury, then you can you can handle the World Cup here. But keep in mind, you're going to have thousands of these kinds of individuals running around the United States of America. So, and the, and the best way to tell the soccer players when they do come here for the World Cup is they will be the ones on the sidewalk writhing around, faking like they have a knee injury. <laughs> I can't watch soccer. Well, you know, so I don't know whether you guys saw the other day on the news because, uh, and again, there's not that there's anything wrong with this, but you know, we know we know what soccer is. Welcome back to Sports Dome. It's the startling confession that has the whole sports world buzzing. Soccer has come out of the closet to tell the world it's gay. A FIFA spokesperson made the announcement at a press conference earlier today. Soccer is not ashamed of what it is. Soccer is a gay sport. Youth League soccer, the MLS, even the World Cup, all of it is completely gay. Joining us now to discuss the impact of this is OSN senior analyst Reggie Greengrass. Reggie, why did soccer... It's from the news the other day. ...soccer choose to come out now. Mark, league officials said soccer was just tired of pretending to be something it's not. Deep down, soccer is about a bunch of guys running around, not touching a polka dot ball with their hands. It shouldn't have to hide how gay it is. Now, uh, will this change the way the game is played? No, if anything, I think we'll see a firmer commitment to the gayest parts of soccer. Interesting. Players will feel free now to do their bicycle kicks, juggle the ball with their knees, and generally just be as gay as they want to (laughs) be without worrying what people think. You know, it must have been difficult for soccer to hide the fact that it was gay for so long. Absolutely. From ancient Greece to modern-day France, there has never been a time when soccer wasn't extremely gay. Yeah, and as recently as 1885, a London tabloid ran a salacious story about soccer. Yeah, rumors like that are what caused soccer (laughs) to go to great lengths to hide its secret, Mark, as we saw in the early 1990s when soccer tried to project an overly macho image, Mm -hmm. headlined by Alexi Lala. Well, they showed some pictures, too. I didn't know this about the history of soccer, where 
they had these uh, dandy men in top hats who were kicking the ball around. Retrospect, it's so obvious soccer was just overcompensating. Yeah, apparently it wasn't until David Beckham came along that soccer <laughs> yeah, began yeah. to edge its way out of the closet. Yeah. Now, there's even yeah. been some backlash from within soccer. 16-year-old varsity high school uh, player Jeff Getter, he's, he released a statement saying, I don't condone or accept soccer being gay. I don't like gay <laughs> things. I don't like to be around gay things. Hey, look, uh, so, of course a lot of people are prepared to play a gay sport. But right. the fact of the matter is, soccer's out. Yeah. It's proud. It's going to tell the world, yep. look at me, I'm gay. Yeah. I'm gay. Gay things come in all shapes and sizes. Thanks, Rich. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it was, a, it was, it was, you know, event, I mean, when, when uh, the FIFA guys or whatever you call them come out and announce it officially, then, then you know. But anyway, World Cup's coming. David Beckham is pretty cool, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, he's a cool guy. Girls like David Beckham. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah, that was a joke, you know. No, I know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, t- I think I took the David Beckham thing a little personal. You, you kind of did. I did. You play soccer by any chance? <laughs> they just crossed the line on that one for me. So. Hey, uh, guys, keep in mind, don't uh, say anything critical about David Beckham around Ryan. Oh, boy. Do you see the, speaking of stuff like this, uh, in L.A., they had the Pride Parade there. And they had a seven-year-old. And I, eventually, we're going to be able to... Um, I think eventually we're going to be able to have like video that you could see. Eventually, but <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. Anyway, I gotta get, get my can out of here. Let me see if I can, uh, like, can mimic the seven-year-old going down the thing. Okay, so um, you guys on Facebook are going to get a little treat. Okay, so I, I, you can't see the video, but you might be able to see like the. Uh, the um, you can look it up. We'll put it. Can you? Yeah. Can you? Can you yeah. put video in the comment section? I can put the link. Okay, we'll put the link yeah. in the comment section, and so those. But but people on Facebook can see it. The people on the stream aren't going to see it. But I'm going to do the seven year old trans child. I'm gonna, I'm going to do my rendition of the seven year old trans child. In the gay pride parade. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I can't wait. This will make me feel a little bit better about that soccer I'm sure you story. are because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Apparently. <laughs> All right, here we go. So we'll do, uh, let's see. Um, so, so imagine now, that, keep in mind, the seven-year-old is wearing high heels. I'm just telling you. I saw the video. It is just awful. What's the matter? You don't, you, you're not, are you intolerant? Yeah, I guess I'm being very intolerant here. Yeah, uh, Ryan can't win. <laughs> I know. It's true. <laughs> it's Beckham on one hand, and then I'm intolerant on the other. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. But here, I'll do the uh, interview here. Uh, I'll do the, do the thing here, what it, what it looks like. Ready? Yeah.
very accurate. <laughs> The heavy silence of century-old battlefields <laughs> and the moved on to another cliff. Of age-old. <laughs> so bad. Now that's not intolerant to do that. I mean, come on. You're watching this seven-year-old kid in high heels and like a a multicolored toga, like a rainbow-colored toga, and he's seven. What does mom say? Was mom oh. interviewed? Oh, mom was interviewed. Mom and dad prefer to let him choose how he expresses himself, herself. Now, are they itself. are they involved? Because I mean, how did he cho- how did he get to the point of choosing that? Like, how does a seven year old get to a point of wearing mm-hmm. the, the the gay pride colors? Like, does, how does he, like, for instance, there's not that there's anything wrong with that, but when the choice is, is approached, like, where does, where does that choice come from? Like, uh, where does your child expose to a situation where that child could actually get, uh, yeah. make that choice? Like, how is that made? For a it says that uh, she was invited to this thing, so I'm, I'm sure she's in some way involved in this i mean the quote that she says quote i'm not deciding what my kid wants to wear and how to behave when it comes to the things he likes and i guess to a certain degree um there there are a lot of um kids out there who are older kids like they're in high school or something and who have that proclivity they have that viewpoint and and I do believe that at some point, uh, at that point, uh, you have to deal with it in a situation that certainly would be more tolerant mm-hmm. and wouldn't be, uh, you, know, you have to accept those individuals, in my opinion. But it, it, you, like a seven-year-old being the, uh, like the winner of... The I don't know what that means, like what, what that means by being the winner, but 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 for a community to put up a seven-year-old in that situation would be a, is a problem. Like for instance, let's say there was such a thing as a heterosexual parade, right? Right. How do you think it would be perceived if it were if if the heterosexual parade was a parade in which you promoted? relationships between men and women. Let's say, let's say you had that, a parade like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and I guess technically, um, the gay people might say, well, that's, that's every day. It's, it's kind of like blacks say, we need Black History Month because every month is White History Month. And I guess technically it could be true. But nonetheless, let's say you had a heterosexual parade and it was, and, and because, because a, a gay pride parade is a being being proud of being gay mm-hmm. and a gay pride parade is being proud of being in gay relationships and, and promoting gay relationships between men and men and women and women. And that's not that that's knock yourself out. I mean, that's, that's not a, 
that should not be a people can judge, but it's none of anybody's business in my in, in as far as I'm concerned. But still, if you if you're promoting those relationships, and if you had a heterosexual parade, and you're promoting you know, men and women together. It's fantastic. These relationships, they love each other. And they are uh, physically attracted and, and active and everything else. And then the heterosexual parade had a yeah. seven-year-old boy. I don't know how you would dress a heterosexual, a seven-year-old boy, <laughs> but you would have a seven-year-old boy marching down the street. And the king of the heterosexual parade is Billy Johnson, seven years old. And most people would be like going, That's strange. why would you do that? Yeah. Seven. Like wouldn't like like wouldn't you want to, if you were, if you were if you were involved in a gay pride movement or what have you, wouldn't you want to pe- put people in the front who are great examples of uh, yes. a of gay pride or gay people? Like for instance, wouldn't you want to put up a a uh, couple that might be raising a child or wh- whatever, you know, because there are people who are gays who adopt kids and that kind of thing. Wouldn't you want to, like, promote the adult version as we would perceive it instead of having a young, a seven-year-old boy wearing high heels? I mean, do you, do you think that's, like, the best? Is that, the, like, like, if you're gay, is that the best Example that you want to put forth to the to to the the world to society of you. I mean, I, I can't imagine that being something like heterosexuals any more than heterosexuals want to put together like wheeling a, a, a baby down the street in a baby carriage yeah. for the heterosexual the pride. face of the movement. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Jamie, I think you'll enjoy this part. Tyler, boy, yeah, was born Ryder. But recently asked to be called Milan. Oh. So three names, seven years old. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, listen, there are very precocious seven-year-olds out there, and they – but I'm wondering whether or not there's a chance that parents could direct the child into a more – I don't know. I, you know, I because again, it's he's a child, so I don't want to like rip on a no. seven year old. Uh, but but I do think parents have a certain level of control over that. Yeah, I don't think you're talking at all about the kid. You're the kid is being a product of the environment in which he lives in. Yeah, it's interesting how when it comes to certain things, uh, they say that minors cannot consent to things. Um, so I, I'm, I'm wondering if, if that's true, that minors can't consent to, you know, activities, like whatever that is, and, and, and rightly so, that's, a, that's a, against the law. Why then would you, it is, it, it can, can a seven-year-old consent, uh, to wearing high heels and a, and a rainbow colored toga? I mean, this is why we... I mean, I know this is strong. Like, in my opinion, this is a form of child abuse to allow this to happen. I, I know that's controversial. It's just. Well, and then there might be somebody who says, well, your child dressed up a, a seven-year-old playing football is abuse. So what's the difference? It's like, I don't know. I, 
I guess maybe you're right about I, who knows. But this is more of a, I, and, and I, again, I wonder, because I mean, I know that there are a lot of uh, conservative gay people who listen to the show. And, and, I, and I'm trying to say, uh, because it's, again, it's none of my business except for the fact that I would be concerned about whether or not, even for the gay community, whether or not this is something you want to be put forth uh, as as who yeah. you are uh, and what your movement is. Because I would venture to guess, and I'm not speaking for the gay community, but I would venture to guess this is much like when the when when the couples try to force a baker to make them a gay wedding cake it kind of flows into this idea that i think there are a lot of gays who would not who would not want a to make a baker make them a cake they would just go to another baker yeah and, and i'm not quite sure there the the gay community a lot of the people in the gay community would would want to use as its mascot per se as they did here a seven-year-old boy in high heels. I just don't think that that. I don't see how that's a positive reflection yeah. of the of the gay movement. And are 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 trans people gay? I mean, if you see somebody sent me the other day the acronyms, you know the LGBT. Do you know the LGBT? Like that's not even close to all the acronyms. I mean, there's like. 24 acronyms. Well, because they do the, they do, they, they do one that's qu- like queer. It used to be in the day. Yeah. Back in the day, like uh, you couldn't use the word queer it was to offensive. describe. I mean, yeah, you, you would. Um... There's non binary. There's <laughs> some of these names, Jamie. Yeah. I, I, but uh, again, though. Do you do you want that as the face of your movement? And and and, and I didn't. And again, I thought like I, I, I'm trying to get this straight because I don't really know. Like, is it is it tr- is are all trans people like gay? Not according. No. Okay. No. So so uh, so even then, then you're wondering whether or not that's really. A, a adequate, good reputation rep- represent, representation of trans people to have them in a gay, have a child in a in high heels and say that's gay pride when, like for instance, I guess or not like cross dressers for instance, mm-hmm. like apparently they're not all gay, right? Right. Like so, a cross dresser is not gay all the time. According to them, no. Who? According to who? Well, the 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 uh... David Beckham crowd. <laughs> I was waiting for the yes. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the so um, so I'm trying to fi- I'm figure this out. So and, and and most people like I know someone and listens to the show uh, who is a trans person, but I'm not sure I've ever had a conversation where that person has been. Gay, right? Uh, like talked about being gay necessarily. Um, so, I, so I don't know whether it's a foregone conclusion every trans person is gay. And, yeah. and also, if you're a trans person, are you transgendered? 
So, so what's the difference between a transgendered person and a crossdresser in the sense that a transgendered person is it? Do transgendered people is it, is it is it is it a physical change? Yeah, they feel a lot of them feel as if they're not gay. They were born of the wrong sex. Right. So, so to me, then, would most trans people appreciate that representation of a trans? gendered person in the formulation of a seven-year-old boy in high heels at a gay pride parade. Like, would a trans person say, well, wait a minute, though, you're making, you're making it look like all trans people are gay when they're not. Right. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, it, you have to really watch the faces of your movements. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and, and would a... Would a uh, like at a crossdresser, like you wouldn't like like if a crossdresser were, th- 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 there may be no difference. The head of a gay pride parade, crossdresser would be like, wait a minute, uh, we're not gay. Yeah, stop you know? making us look ridiculous. Anyway, this is seems like way too complicated, into the weeds. But we'll take a break. Come back. Doug Giles on the way, and also we'll break down those uh, post uh, primary results as well. And we will also get into the Claire McCaskill RV plane controversy, which is um, which is pretty amazing. It's blowing up on the national front, and it tells you everything you need to know about what's really going on. And Claire is getting a pass from most of the mainstream media over this thing. Uh, because suddenly Claire McCaskill is Mrs. Main Street, but it uh, seems like she's Mrs. Airstream in this case. So we'll see. I met her in the club down in Old Soho Where you drink champagne And it tastes just like cherry cola C-O-L-E-Cola She walked up to me she asked me to dance I asked her her name And in a dark brown voice She said Lola L-O-L-A-L-O-L-A La-la-la-la-la-la Well I'm not the world's most physical guy But when she squeezed me tight She nearly broke my spine She walked like a woman, but talked like a man on the 
This morning, Radio Free Almond Live, baby, from the uh, Discovery Design Studios, and Doug Giles on the way as well. How'd you all like that Kreftig beer, by the way, if you uh, did have some? Thank you, Billy Bush, for the $500 worth of uh, Kreftig beer, which is uh, light version, regular version. I like the light version a lot. And uh, Billy Bush, thank you, buddy, and nice to have a Bush in town still brewing the old beer because uh, that's always nice in terms of uh, keeping things, keeping the Bush name alive. You see this really awesome... Oh, by the way, people... Um, so you saw the prancing, did you? You can use... You can you, you can go ahead and uh, isolate that if you want to and, and pass it around. <laughs> My portrayal of a seven-year-old boy in high heels. That'd be that's that's good for you on the old uh, Facebook page. Other comments there, buddy? Yes, the comments were heating up on that uh, on that subject. I mean, everybody agrees though that it's just it's insanity. And my question is, do gay people agree with that? I mean, you go that you take all that much trouble to have a gay pride parade. Why then do you? Go to, and you take all this trouble to try to to try to normalize, uh, which 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 shouldn't be that hard anyway. Because I'm not a person who will judge you as a gay person, but but gays take all this effort to kind of mainstream and normalize. Although I don't sometimes think that some of the people take all that effort because when you're making a baker bake a cake for you, that's not normal. That's not mainstream. That's mm-hmm. you pushing your crap on other people and you have no business doing so it's none of your business what a cake maker wants to do any more than it's the cake maker's business what you want to do just leave each other alone and be fine with it but if you're a if you're attempting at some point to 
put forth this image, and maybe they don't want to. Maybe the gay pride people don't really want to. That's not their gig, gig and which is why there are a lot of people who are gay who don't gravitate mm-hmm. towards that movement uh, because they don't want to be associated with people who really aren't trying to normalize at all. They're trying to really, actually, they're, they're more abnormalizing in their behavior or in their open behavior than they are normalizing, I would think. I, I, would, th- I would think it would not be a normalization tactic to front your parade with a seven-year-old in high heels. That just doesn't really normalize things for a lot of people, I don't think. I, I agree. Except for you... seven-year-olds in high heels. Yeah. Then all the seven-year-olds in high heels are watching. Oh, look, there's Tyler, <laughs> a seven-year-old in, high, in his high Milan. heels. Oh, Milan. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, so for the seven-year-old crowd... For the seven-year-old trans crowd, that's highly normal. Which is, and you always find it, I always find it odd, the partnerships in these, uh, in the Pride, because it's, I think it's Pride Month right now. June is Pride Month. Yeah. Um, I always find it odd, the the partnerships. Planned Parenthood always partnered up with these uh, Pride parades and stuff like that. It, they make for interesting bedfellows. Well, it's curious, too, because Pride Month was brought up when the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, dared to go to Chick-fil-A. Oh, and, and, he, and he talked about using this Boost coupon or something with Chick-fil-A, and he was forced to apologize for going to Chick-fil-A. And my question to the gay community is, and again, I know gay people who are absolutely not like this at all uh, and who go to Chick-fil-A or do whatever. But is that is that also the way you want to front your movement by crusading for an apology for somebody who goes to a fast food restaurant whose owner you don't like? I mean, is that is that really your is this your Selma moment, you know? That that the that Jack Dorsey must be required to apologize for Eating. going to yeah. Chick Fil A, <laughs> especially during Gay Pride Month. How dare you? It's like, is that really how you're? How dare you go to Chick Fil A during Gay Pride Month? It's like that. Is that really what you want to front? Gosh, and then these people have no backbone. They're just like, he's like, oh, oh my gosh, I've done so wrong. I ate that chicken sandwich. Pussy. Yeah. Um, what did IHOP do, do again? <laughs> it was like a joke. They were, they changed their, they said burgers. They were going to change it to IHOP and replace the pancake. They wanted to be burger. And then they got, it like backfired. The whole situation backfired on them because then Wendy's like started trolling them on Twitter. <laughs> it was actually kind of a funny story. As soon as it came out, I immediately thought, oh gosh, I hope it's not all real because this is Jamie's fried chicken story all over again. So one company that doesn't have a whole lot of customers trolling another company that doesn't have a whole lot of customers yes gotcha yeah they were like this is we need this people are like oh yeah ihop i completely forgot that ihop even existed well ihops really ihop nails it down when it comes to return customers oh yeah because they're there ihop has i guarantee you somebody if you go to an ihop right now the people you're talking to 
are not people who have never been there before. Oh no, they're 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 people who have uh, been there and going there for twenty five years, <laughs> and went there with their parents when they were kids to get the stacker or whatever the hell it is that the, with the, this the seventeen pancakes on top of each other. Now, in all fairness. My wife and I, our first apartment was right next to an IHOP. Yeah. And we couldn't afford much. And IHOP was cheap eating. And we would go get pancakes and coffee. Can you get anything else at IHOP? Yeah, they actually have a huge menu. Okay. Because like, you, you get, get a get, steak. Get, oh, okay. So you can, get, you can get, like, hamburgers and stuff there at IHOP. Sort of, kind I don't think hamburgers, but, like, you know, kind of offbeat menu items. So they serve steak, but do you dare ask for a hamburger? Like, sorry, we can't do a hamburger. <laughs> Wait, okay, so I can get a T-bone from you? Yeah, yeah, but uh, we, can't, we can't do the, uh, we can't do the, we can't do it, uh, we can't do a hamburger. I'm like, okay, whatever you say. And then, and then there's Wendy's, and Wendy's is, like, you have to, like, there's a specialized crowd, and you got to give them props, okay? It's like uh, Boston Market. Like, there's only a few people who really go to Boston Market, but it survives because there are a lot of people out there who want Thanksgiving dinner for lunch every day. And they want their chicken and gravy and mashed potatoes and their sweet corn for lunch. That's what they want. It's true. They want their carved turkey with the, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And with, with the sweet peas. And, and that's what they want. And so their people will go there for that. I one time went to Boston Market just to get a chicken salad sandwich. <laughs> chicken I don't know. I don't know why. Sweet. It was just it just happened to be in there. I get a chicken salad sandwich, and I gotta tell you, I couldn't eat the whole thing. Because they were like, I think they were unloading yesterday's chicken on me that they turned into chicken salad. The chicken that the 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 half chicken that somebody didn't order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll take the whole chicken, mashed potatoes, and gravy, and sweet peas. And then they put it on a plate. Oh, you should see the people eating in there. Wendy's. It's like unbelievable. I have to read the tweet because it is really funny. Wendy's tweeted, can't wait to try a burger from the place that decided pancakes were too hard. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. But wasn't Wendy's the one that came up with the, uh, the French toast Things you can buy for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. We so yeah. I know. And Wendy's, and again, so Wendy's is one of those places where you either love Wendy's or you never go there. Like, so, so there are people who, like, that's why there are like a few Wendy's around, uh, as opposed to if you compare that to Sonic's or McDonald's or whatever. Wendy's has a specialized kind of track. Mm -hmm. And, and people who eat Wendy's, Usually don't go anywhere else. They love Wendy's. They love the fries, the way the fries are. Yep. They love the square patty. The Frosties. The Frosties. <laughs> I mean, you know, they love Wendy's. And so you got to hand it to Wendy's because they, they keep the, the people who go to Wendy's have been there before. There's, not, there's, not, there's no one out there going, you know, I think I'm going to try Wendy's today. <laughs> yeah, no. No, they're just people who go back, and it's like IHOP. I think I might, I think I might go and get a, 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 a stack of 20 pancakes at IHOP today. 
Now the question is: Is will the the breakfast crowd partake in this burger fiasco? The IHOP breakfast crowd are they going to be like, "Oh, this is wonderful news"? Yeah, I mean it's the International House of Pancakes. By the way, what's the international part of that? <laughs> I don't know. Are there IHOPs anywhere else in the world? <laughs> Do they have like uh, ancient Asian Chinese waffle? Do they have a general ch- general ch- cho waffle? <laughs> a spicy waffle. Yeah. This is the famous burrito uh, pancake. You wrap it up and we put the... Uh, uh, we'll have to research where the international part of that comes from. We are never going to be able to go to an IHOP after this. I'll go there before I go to a waffle house. Ugh. You know why? Google or Bing waffle house fight. Well, no, just, just keep do it. Yeah, just do it. Oh, there's graphic language in here. That's that's in Auburn. Here's another. One. Here's, here's one. Here's a Waffle House fight in Lima, Ohio. You want to hear that? Yeah. Here's here's one in, in Tuscaloosa. You want to hear that one? See, you don't hear about you don't hear about those. Here's a shooting at a Waffle House. That's where the guy actually came in and, and saved somebody. There was a yeah. shooting there. Uh, Here's another Waffle House fight. I don't know where this is. Let's see. This is, um... Here's one. Here's one between two employees at a Waffle House. Oh, They're fi- the, the, the people are sitting in the Waffle House and two employees are fighting. Oh, there's a little ad here first. Here, listen to the ad. True lifestyle events. It gets heated in Waffle House when these two women started throwing hands. Wait till the end. And there are employees there uh, who are. Come on. Come on. Come on. Here's one. Here's a Waffle House fight in Columbia, South Carolina. Here's, what, here's a Waffle House fight in Pensacola, Florida. Here's, here's a Waffle House fight in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, uh, you attend the Waffle House, you know what I'm saying? I got the fam, you know what I'm saying? Please, got my niggas. Hey, here's, one in, here's one in Augusta, Georgia. Here's, here's one in Columbus, Ohio. Whenever, by the way, whenever you're at a Waffle House and you hear World Star, I would go ahead and leave. Yes. At that point. This is in Columbus, Ohio. Here's one in Richmond, Richmond, Virginia. You want me to keep going? 
Could be worse. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize you needed golden gloves to go into a waffle house. Well, you know, to be fair, let's just see if we could find, uh, let's see. Um, well, uh, we did waffle house fight. Let's do Wendy's fight. There's got to be one. Yeah. Let's fight two employees. Oh, here's one. Here's, here's a fight breaking out between two employees at a Wendy's. They're fighting. <laughs> Whoa! Something tells me that maybe there are fights at a lot of places, but Waffle House, they just, for whatever reason, Waffle House, if you just Google Waffle House, you will see fight after fight after fight. I saw one, there's one that was funny where these two employees are like hitting each other with pans and everything else. <laughs> Insane. Well, let's see. Just to be fair, just to make sure, because okay. I'm, I'm, I'm holding out, I'm holding out Waffle House as an, a bad example. Uh, let's do uh, IHOP fight. Let's see. I'll just do the video thing, and then oh, I'd be sticky with all that syrup. That's in Memphis. <laughs> here's Racine, Wisconsin. Here's a waffle. Here's an IHOP fight in uh, Racine, Wisconsin. Oh my gosh. I think I here's what I think happens, and maybe this is one here caught on camera. A Waffle House brawl in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. Yeah, I think maybe the places where people go like late at night, yeah, like for instance, let me do one here. I agree, Cracker Barrel fight. Impossible. No way. Impossible. Let's see. Oh, there's a. There's a. Uh, oh, these are like the, the, here. <laughs> here's one. You know what? This you, the, here's this. Here's the fight at Cracker Barrel. Listen to this one. Okay, go for it. You know what it is? It's a fight between two of those electronic dogs. Yeah, that sounds about Between two toys. So they decided at the Cracker Barrel, these kids decided they were going to have a little fun and, and put uh, two toys that have the little, you know, <laughs> batteries in them to fight. That, that's, your, that's your fight at the Cracker Barrel, as we would presume. Here, here's another one. Here's a fight at the Cracker Barrel. These are two people who take... Um, there's two women who take lighted batons that they sell at Cracker Barrel and are and are playing around like a sword fight with them. Yeah, let me tell you, Cracker Barrel, you're going to be safe at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Buy your John Deere merchandise in the store. Yeah. Eat the grits. Play that little peg game with the, uh, what's the little, where you move the golf tees? It's always at every table. Are you a Crackle Barrel fan? Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah. Here's here's here's. Uh, have you ever heard? Uh, speaking speaking of speaking of funny things, and and and, and no, one of my one of the funniest things I've ever heard regarding like uh, legendary 
stores and places like that would be the dress barn routine by a guy named Tim Hawkins, who is a local comedian here. And this is perhaps one of the funniest. I died laughing listening to this for the first time. Tim Hawkins, by the way, is a great comedian. He is here in St. Louis. He's clean. All right? So when you see him perform, you can take the kids, and you're not going to hear any cussing. Nice. It's not. There's not any... You know, sexual situations. Like Tim Hawkins is an awesome comedian, and you talk about like Cracker Barrel or one of these places. But uh, there's a the, he did a routine about the dress barn, and this uh, you guys have to. I'll play it for you. Check it out. Listen. Clothing store I see a lot, a lot around here. Woman's clothing store. The actual name of the store is the dress barn. Dress barn. That's the best name you could come up with there. That's, that's the one you want to go with. I don't think I'm ever taking my wife to a place called the Dress Barn. Hey, let's go to the Dress Barn. Recomputing. Sorry. I want an L. Dress Barn. What do the people like that work at the Dress Barn? Can I help? Yeah. <laughs> that blouse is right over here. <laughs> it's only twenty. <laughs> It's a terrible name. <laughs> but Tim Hawkins is great. I don't, I don't know whether, he, I don't know how often he, uh, I think he still performs. He, he does a lot of uh, churches and, you know, kind of uh, fairs yeah. and things like that. So, I mean, I, th- I think if you go to timhawkins.com, I had him on the air one time a long time ago. And uh, I think he's got his own website. And that'll tell you where he is. But if you like, you like that, that was funny. About the dress, dress barn. Never got over that thing. All right. So on the more serious business, and this isn't actually as serious uh, as you might think it is. This is about propaganda. And it's about time the United States of America utilized propaganda. It's about time we had a government that did it. Uh, The closest we ever came to what is kind of propaganda was when I remember right after 20 uh, the attacks on the World Trade Center and 9-11. I went up to D.C. and did a story with the Office of Diplomatic Security, which is a wing of the State Department, and they handle counterterrorism across the country. And in order to, in order to try to, uh, to, to get arrests of terrorists, and in fact, even some of those terrorists who continue to, who blew up, you know, uh, the hotel in Kenya and who who just were causing all kinds of mayhem throughout the 1990s and beyond, they would, uh, they developed, and I still have these, by the way, a bunch of them. Like, for instance, they had uh, Osama bin Laden matchbooks, matchbooks with Osama bin Laden's face on them. 
or matchbooks with the use of whatever his face is, um, and all these guys uh, who are involved in terrorism. And because in the Middle East, pretty much everybody smokes something. Like these people are like smoking sticks over there. <laughs> I'll pick up for whatever reason. Some people, many people in the Middle Eastern countries, will pick up anything and light it and smoke it. I'm just that's just what it is. So matches are a hot commodity over in the Middle East. And so what the Office of Diplomatic Security did was they took out these matches. I had to bring. I should show you sometimes on Facebook or whatever. I have a bunch of them, uh, but they would. Uh, that would be what they do. They'd leave these matchbooks in places, stores, and sure. on the street. They they'd, Sometimes they would just simply dump them in the street. Um, sometimes they would even drop them from airplanes, you know, and just have them in a – like they'd come floating down into some uh, – Middle Eastern market or something, you know, and they would, but but they would. These matchbooks uh-huh. all had, you know, hey, call this, and they, and they were reward matchbooks, reward for information leading to the rest of so and so, and they worked. Sometimes they worked, but they didn't get that information. They got some from other people, and that was kind of the the thing that that uh, that the U.S. did was, and, and I guess it's not as much propaganda as it is good law enforcement work, but it was to a certain degree getting out there, taking the lead, and coming up with something creative. But the United States doesn't do enough of what the United States did in this case with North Korea and this situation where they put together this pretty damn amazing piece of propaganda that was designed to convince Kim Jong-un that if he just kind of, um, if he just changed the way he is, imagine the kinds of ways in which life for him and Korea would improve, uh, North Korea would improve. And what's curious about this, though, when the reporters went into the Singapore auditorium to see maybe President Trump announced the results of this meeting and that kind of thing. There were two gigantic screens on either side of this empty podium. And all this music boomed out over the speakers. And then there was a huge montage portraying North Korea as a paradise. Yeah. And because reporters, for the most part, uh, particularly people who are now giving you the news, they are uh, they're simpletons. They aren't very smart. They take everything seriously, literally, and everything, which is how you get to a point. I mean, and the left is like that too. They're they're very simple people, and culturally, for the most part, very much uneducated. And so, like for instance, when I talked about the red hot poker and David Hogg. They, they, that's how they can actually turn that into a sexual assault because they're simpletons and they're just not. Their IQ level just isn't high enough to remember that as a colloquialism. <laughs> and they just, they just don't have the, the cultural IQ necessary to, to c- connect the dots. colloquialisms yeah. and, and metaphors and things like that. There's, there's no such thing as a metaphor to them or an analogy or and everything is to be taken literally, and so th- that's how they operate. So they look at this video, 
and they poo-poo it because they think it's North Korea's video. And they're not listening to it, really. They're not paying attention to it. They're not imagining this as a, as a message to North Korea. They just think automatically that, is, that it's a... That it's a um, they couldn't understand what this was, and they assumed automatically they were watching a North Korean propaganda film. Yeah. It was good, though. It was really good. Seven billion people inhabit planet Earth. Of those alive today, only a small number will leave a lasting impact. And only the very few will make decisions or take actions that renew their homeland and change the course of history. History may appear to repeat itself for generations. Cycles that never seem to end. There have been times of relative peace and times of great tension. While this cycle repeats, the light of prosperity and innovation has burned bright for most of the world. History is always evolving. And there comes a time when... This is almost something you'd see at Disney. I was just going to say it. I thought the exact same thing. Like this really cool, Mm -hmm. you know, imagine a universe of, you know, and, and, and this is really good. Only a few are called upon to make a difference. But the question is, what difference will the few make? The past doesn't have to be the future. Out of the darkness can come the light. And the light of hope can burn bright. Showing what all these um, happy, happy Koreans and... A people that share a common and rich heritage can find a common future. Their story is well known, but what will be their sequel? Destiny Pictures presents a story of opportunity, a new story, a new beginning, (laughs) one of peace, two men, two leaders, one destiny. A story about a special moment in time when a man is presented with one chance that may never be repeated. What will he choose? To show vision and leadership? Or not? Amazing. Yes. And I you, mean, that was great. And, uh, and, they show, and then they show this, like, new, this mushroom cloud. And see, uh, what... And oh, gosh, this is so good. I mean, I wish I could have been a part of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The and and what a lot of people don't know is like Kim Kim Jong Un. He's obsessed with like Hollywood. He mm-hmm. loves that stuff. So like the idea that they made it look like a movie. I mean, that just absolutely played right to his yeah. personality. It's just awesome. And it was perfect because first of all, it's true that that. We've seen examples of countries that have turned around and started to emb- when they embraced normalcy and rid themselves of despotic tendencies, they changed. Now, keep in mind, it has to happen kind of within the confines of that country's culture. Like, for instance, it didn't work like like regime change doesn't work 
and hasn't. I can't think of a time where it actually has, where the U.S. got involved in regime change. It it didn't work in Iraq Mm-mm. because the people there were more comfortable with their situation. Saddam Hussein might have been a dictator and a terrible person, but he was their dictator and their terrible person. And it was hard to change that just by going to war. Right. And same thing that happened with Obozo and his desire to get Gaddafi out of there. Gaddafi, it was a gigantic, huge, huge blunder. And, and of course, is just a blip in history because it's Obama, and Obama can do no wrong. So this could not have possibly been Obama's mistake. But now Libya is, as was predictable, a complete hotbed of terrorism when they removed a guy who terrorists didn't like Mm -hmm. and actually who kept terrorism at a more of a minimum. And so that didn't work. That regime change didn't work at the hands of the U.S., Sometimes even organic regime change doesn't work. The collapse of the Soviet Union, which was directly tied to Ronald Reagan, basically bankrupting them, forcing them into a uh, an arms race, so to speak, by promoting Star Wars. And people forget that Ronald Reagan and the Star Wars plan, it was essentially kind of a bluff in that the Reagan and his team came up with the missile defense uh, shield idea in space. Mm -hmm. And it freaked the Soviet Union out so much so that they had to kind of start spending gobs of money to try to do, A, a similar thing, and B, invent something that could go around it. And so eventually they just became an ineffective government, and then the Soviet Union collapsed. I know I'm, I'm simplifying it. So I, so forgive me if I'm missing certain parts of history. But then the Soviet Union went back to its old tricks for the most part. I mean, I'm talking about Russia mm-hmm. in, in particular, because the people there didn't know anything but communism and didn't know anything but, you know, the way they lived. And that's why it was easy for Putin and the other guys to kind of go back into it and be just like Brezhnev or whatever, right. uh, or Gorbachev, because they were, uh, because the Russians were more comfortable that way. They they couldn't handle capitalism because there what there wasn't enough of a diversity of things to do. Which is why right now most of the hackers and people who are tooling around the internet now and causing trouble are Russians because the young people there know they have nothing to do right. and and know a lot about computers. But they really have nothing to do. There really is no industry in Russia because communism has just basically made everybody you – know, it's, it's what communism does. Uh, and China, on the other hand, is, is at a different thing because once China started to embrace money, they oh, yeah. have, have benefited from that whole thing. So they're not typical. But nonetheless, regime change doesn't work. So, uh, but, but when you have somebody who, who has been – and I guarantee you Trump – uh, has dealt with people like this his whole whole life. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's interesting because uh, in 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 trying to grow this business, oddly enough, and 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 Ryan has helped me with this quite a bit because you have been in the business world yourself. Um, 
there are all kinds of psychologically, uh, well, let's see. There are all kinds of, there, there are a lot of sociopathic individuals out there who you have to deal with on a regular basis and who are manip- manipulative, always angling, yes. and taking you for a sucker, basically. And, and, and I've seen a lot of that with growing this new brand and, you know, this yeah. kind of thing. And so you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're testing people out and you see those people and then you figure out the people you can work with and you can't, blah, blah, blah. Or the people who are taking you for suckers, you need to basically let them know that you're not and you know and you will yeah. uh, be, you will hurt them, not physically, but, but you know, you will, you have a way of fighting back. So uh, President Trump, through his business dealings, runs into people like Kim Jong-un all the time. Yes. These guys who just need, you know, some, because they're, 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 they're not very smart. Mm-hmm. And but they know how to make money, and they know what to do. And all you have to do is wave some shiny thing in front of them, and you got them. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. And you have to be a little bit of a sociopath yourself in terms of being manipulative and everything else. Because you, I wouldn't sociopath is kind of a strong word because I know there are sociopaths out there, and they're bad people. Yeah, but then there are people who are just kind of like they're gamers and they're. Yeah. You know, they're, they're shysters and they're manipulators and money grabbers and those kind of things. And you just have to work with, with, with them. Because some of them are good at what they do, useful people. You just have to learn how to train them. Absolutely. In your realm. One of the things that I, the video, there are the two things that I loved that Trump did just on a business perspective. I just loved it. The video, amazing. The second thing that he did was he took Kim to the presidential limo that was genius yep or in so many ways that was so genius well and also presented kim in this video as a potential player mm-hmm. like like it made him it you know it, they would juxtapose these images with him walking around with images of the smiling Mm-hmm. North Koreans as opposed to the dour, regimented, clapping North Koreans that are constantly out there that look like robots. And what they did was they they kind of layered it and, and maybe manipulated a few images here and there to make – to juxtapose Kim Jong-un walking around with – pictures that look like paradise mm-hmm. and and they they associate him with like a, a fast moving train it looked like it was right there out of uh out of tomorrowland yeah. disney or those kinds of things and it, and it, and it they were trying to make kim jong un envision a different life and the video presented that through a variety of different images that 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 pushed him into that other life and then also though we're pretty Pretty hardcore. Uh, I mean, especially with 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 this final statement. Why would they choose to show vision and leadership, or not? I mean, this was great because it was what it was is uh, when it said visual, uh, and they showed him all. Will he choose then or not? Was was juxtaposed with these images of like melting film strips and. <laughs> fire and everything else and it was really it was really nicely done 
so so it wasn't just all just like, oh, look, we're going to give you all this. We're going to give you all this. In fact, there was none of the we're going to give you anything except a way for you to improve your life yes. and not be incinerated by our missiles. Because that's primarily what President Trump told him and got him to the table saying, you know what, we will turn you into ashes. And, and, and that's what you need to do. Uh, Khrushchev tried it with, with Kennedy, uh, and it actually intimidated Kennedy when Khrushchev said, we will bury you. That, that, that was wow. not a very good meeting between Kennedy and Khrushchev at the time and actually really did uh, heat up a little bit. Uh, you know, even though Kennedy was kind of a post-Cold War president, it didn't, it didn't, cha- it didn't help their, the relationship there uh, and, and brought us to that point where we kind of had continued conflicts with the Soviet Union all the time. But Khrushchev said that to him. And, and Kennedy didn't have much of a response necessarily. Uh, and so, you know, the, wow. but because we, we ultimately, the, the, even the Cuban Missile Crisis was an issue that was directly tied to the Soviet Union. So anyway, but this worked on, on Kim. Very when, much. When, when Trump said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to, we're going to take you out if you keep doing this, or if you do something that is anyway insinuating you're going to take us out, like you fire a missile, we will return them because we have bigger missiles. And he knows it. So now, you know. By the way. More propaganda. He didn't sleep for 24 hours. (laughs) That came out. Trump didn't sleep for 24 hours for that meeting. I love it, man. (sighs) Here, I'm going to give you Doug. Big fan of guy. Doug on. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, Everybody is, people, which is why if you're a Republican and you don't support him, you're dead to us. Which is why when you take people out like you did in Jefferson City, that we as Trump supporters duly elected because we had we saw him as having similar proclivities. When you take him out and then pretend everything is okay, even to the point where you allow Claire McCaskill to lord over the governor's office one day, that's not going to help you, just so you know. And Tuesday, the primaries, yesterday, Mark Sanford and every other never-Trumper had their asses handed to them in primary elections. And that's not going to change, just so you know. You have Doug Giles' number already there? I don't. I need to find out. Because he, he switches numbers on me every other day. <laughs> well, he has a good number. He likes to use this. Um, he likes to use that cell phone. Let me grab this real I, quickly here. I um, have a number, and it could be this. Is, is it? A, is it a? Um, is it a? Uh, here, here. It's a three hundred five number right here, buddy. Oh, so that's a different. One. <laughs> yeah, because you, you probably okay. had a five one two. I did. Yeah, that's a three hundred five. <laughs> yeah. But but nonetheless, uh, that, that uh, so folks, I think there's this idea somehow that, I mean, you you could you could have Max Boot on or some Never Trumper on there, and claim somehow some way that President Trump is really just a kiss up to despotic leaders. We don't see that. We don't care what NBC News says or MSNBC or CBS. No one is watching, and people are seeing results. Same way with the economy, we're seeing we're seeing all that. And so the proof is actually in what we see and in front of our eyes, not what you're telling us. 
It doesn't work that way. When are you going to learn? Oh, well. Ringing Doug Giles. Is that ringing? No, it does this thing every once in a while with his. And only with his. It does this thing. It doesn't ring. <laughs> it does this little thing there that's it called, I'm not ringing. Yo. Good morning, wild man warrior. What's going on, brother? Hey, guys, call me on the other number. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, see, you, it, it said you told Got me it. one one time to call you on the 305, but we'll call you on the 512. Thank you. <laughs> Bossy boy. Let me oh, find it now. Let me just... I've got it. Oh, you do? Yeah. Here it is. Oh, you got it? See, I keep that one. Well, he told me to call. The other day, he told me to call 7A. Call me on that line. <laughs> Mixes it up. He's trying to be stealth. He is. You know. That's his throwaway phone. Yeah. You tell him it, it keeps the... Uh, the... Um... <laughs> See, that one rings real quick. All right, man, let's do it. See, here's the deal. I think you change these numbers out because you keep you you because you just that's how you that's how you keep the assassins away. You kind of keep moving around. I'm shifty, man. I'm Batman, and you <laughs> saw me in the Batmobile uh, this weekend in St. Louis, <laughs> buddy. Listen, I first of all so appreciated you, and it was such a great time. And everybody's still the, we're still basking in that glow. The the uh, folks who came out to see you Friday and Saturday, it was it was thrilling. You were awesome. And Doug is like, you know, for as, as great as he is, he's pretty low maintenance. All you need, all you need to do is just, uh, hey, except for, um, well, even then you weren't low maintenance. You were more just shocked. You were like, where's Johnny when I'm the one driving you to the event? You're like thinking, dude, this guy is like going to get me killed here. But still... You're a very patient man, and people really enjoyed talking to you and having side chats, and it was really fun to be able to kind of smoke cigars on until 2 o'clock in the morning uh, with you at the MAC. So um, you're, you're a gamer and a getter, buddy. Thank you. Well, Jamie, thanks for having me out. And um, I got to tell you, you got a, you got a great group of people uh, that listen to Radio Free Almond. Uh, you know, I, I speak a lot of places all over the world. I really don't know what to expect when I rock up at a joint. I just want the checks to clear. That's all. That's all <laughs> I care about anymore. But salt of the earth, man. Uh, the, I think my parting words were: these people are the salt of the earth. It's the heartbeat of America. It, it wasn't just a bunch of white crackers. You had every race there. I don't know if uh, all of them were Christian or Jewish or Hindu or whatever, but I know, I know that uh, aside from our fallenness and our, our constituent sinful nature, those are some good people, man. Those are some good people. And the coup de grace of the whole event, aside from the great times that we had uh, before, during, and after uh, the, uh, the Friday and Saturday night events, was that Camaro absolutely <laughs> melting those humongous slicks and just billowing blue clouds of peel-out dust. <laughs> and I was like, the only thing that we're missing right now is a huge, uh, uh, big stack of t- tannerite being blown up in the parking lot. <laughs> no doubt about it, man. And thanks to Moto Exotica for bringing that out. Scotty Brandt and the team uh, brought that out for us, and uh, that was that was very cool. And, you know, you speak to the audience, and it's, it's so right. I, I so appreciate you mentioning that because – 
that's one thing about us is that we're hugely diverse, not only in how we were raised, where we're from, uh, and, and what we're doing, and who we are, and, and all the things that we do, uh, but we do have that one thing in common, man, and that, that, uh, that approach to common sense and an and, and optimism, almost an eternal optimism, even as, as we run up to harsh things and have to call them out like you do at ClassDilly.com and I do on the radio show, we always maintain that optimism, that position of strength, that non-pussification, if you will, and that's kind of, a, I love the vibe, and, and, and our people are, um, we're all very loyal to each other, uh, we've got each other's backs, and we're, we're many, I mean, for, that, for this many people to be that close of a family is a pretty amazing thing, and it was such a privilege to be able to introduce you to them personally, because they've, they've been loving listening to you, so thank you, buddy. Yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, just picking up on that thread of uh, uh, hope and optimism, uh, you know, people all the time try to get me down the gloomy rabbit trail. And listen, there's there's times, man, where I can make uh, Vincent Van Gogh look like a freaking rodeo clown. Uh, <laughs> however, uh, you know, it, and I, I hate to bring this up because uh, people think I'm a Bible thumper. Man, my my Christianity, my siding with uh, eternal truth, I'm not a perfect guy. But I, I know BS uh, when I see BS, and I know truth when I see it. And anytime anybody stands on uh, that which is true and just and good, you can be confident that it's going to win. You can be confident that uh, God and the powers of the universe is going to marshal behind that kind of stance, even though it's temporarily uh, getting torn apart uh, <clears throat> like a silk blouse marked down to 99 cents at the Walmart uh, shopper's bin. Yeah, I that's would... that's that's something that that's something that uh, you know. Uh, again, I take the cue from the scripture that you know we win in time and eternity, and evil gets trounced like a narc at a biker party. But also, like with Andrew Breitbart and stuff, man, and and uh, Winston Churchill, these guys were happy warriors. They aren't you know just these sullen and vexed uh, group of uh, sour pusses and stuff. And your people had the same vibe, man. I I saw it. I could smell it. You could feel the the energy in the room. And it's like we win this battle, you know. Uh, we're we're not uh, on the losing team. We're not going to get dusted by the secularist and and the crazy agenda, the progressive. Listen, God's going to crush that stuff that's evil. And if anything that's evil within the conservative camps of the libertarian movements, he's going to stiff arm that crap as well. So he's an equal opportunity offender. I just want to be on the side of truth, uh, even if it rubs my flesh the wrong way. Well, and that's why Rules for Radical Christians is such a great book, because if I would describe your Christianity, whatever, I would, I would talk about it as a sort of muscular Christianity, meaning it is a Christianity that is a little more rugged the way I would perceive Jesus to be, and a little more less pacifist, but more strong, uh, more strength. And, and I would, I would, that's how I would, muscular Christianity, not, not where you're just beating people over the heads, but where you're maintaining your grounding and your position of strength. You're, you're keeping your feet on the ground and you're standing your position, and that's what it's all about. And I think Rules for Radical Christians kind of gets to that point. I think your Radical Christians part is really kind of a tongue-in-cheek reference necessarily because that's how we're all perceived as right. some kind of radicals. But that's what I would describe your vibe as, and I think our people are de definitely ID with that. Well, in regards to uh, uh, 
my Christianity and uh, my walk with uh, the rowdy 30-year-old rebel from Galilee uh, being a little different than today's, you know, feminine, effete, evangelical version of Jesus, you're damn right, Jamie. It's way different. And uh, the reason being is, is that we focused on just these minute facets of Christ's character. We bastardized those facets, and we turned Jesus into this bearded lady who does uh, feminine hygiene commercials and has nothing untoward to say to anybody who's implacable, saying stupid crap, a bad politician or a bad uh, priest or pastor. And that's not the Jesus of the Scripture. I mean, if people can still read, I know they went to public school, but if they can still read up to, up and down, left and right, just a cursory glance of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, show a man who was uh, sacrificially slaughtered on a cross because of his mouth, because of his stand against uh, unrighteousness and injustice. The first, uh, the first Radio Free Almond event that Jesus did, uh, Jamie, uh, they wanted to throw him off a cliff. And yeah. you don't, <laughs> you don't, that doesn't happen. Y'all weren't like, uh, okay, Doug, that was real good. And then we go out to the balcony at that, uh, um, at that, uh, what do you call it? That the, the yeah. first place we had the event, the, yeah. the country yeah. club. And you're, you're like, that's real good, Doug. Thanks for being here. And then you and, uh, Chris and Ryan grab me and Johnny, uh, Rose grab me by the belt loops and throw my ass off the balcony. <laughs> Y'all didn't do that. But that's what they wanted to do to Jesus after his first message because he lampooned them. Mm-hmm. He went after them, man. He wasn't like, well, Jesus loves you and you and you and you. He was like, listen, you guys, this is, this is what it means uh, to be close to God, and this is what it means not to be. And all the experts in religion were right there, and they got the message that he just throat punched them. And to divorce that kind of uh, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To, to divorce that kind of image, that kind of motif, that kind of archetype from our spirit and from our psyche and turn Jesus into this neutered guy who spits out aphorisms like an overmedicated Joel Osteen, I think that's a sin, man. Well, and here's a great example of that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it a little uh, deeper into the realm that we just saw the past couple of days. So, for instance, here is Donald Trump, who has never been perceived as a guy who can quote a passage from a Bible, never really perceived being very religious, but does a very Christian thing in his dealings with Kim Jong-un, and that is he doesn't decide that he's going to go over there and shoot a missile or invade the country, he makes a video, or as people do, that simply says to Kim Jong-un, These, this would be your life. He was actually, this, was, this is what Jesus, Jesus would make a video like this. Uh, this is your life if you choose to take this path, and this is your life if you don't. You have choices. You can come with me or come with this vibe or you can go away from it, but your choice is very clear. And so that video, and you point this out on ClashDaily.com, is, was huge. Yeah. No, and I think it's, uh, like you said, uh, a lot of evangelicals who are never Trumpkins, and some of them still are, they're holding on to that kind of stupidity. Uh, they, they even, aside from CNN, uh, who won't see it, they've blinded themselves and they're going to stay blind. But uh, what you just pointed out is, is absolute brilliance. I mean, it's the same thing that, you know, that Moses did uh, to the children of Israel when they're wandering around in the desert uh, before they hit the promised land. He goes, hey, choose you this day. Who are you going to serve? You got blessing? You got curses? Uh, you choose. 
Do you, do, you, do you want condos on the beach? Do you want cigarette boats racing uh, outside? Do you want girls in bikinis? Do you want, you want sports? Do you want basketball? Do you want uh, frickin' hot dogs? Do you want this thing called liberty and freedom? Then, uh, rocket man, lay down your rockets. If you want sanctions, if you want cold, gray, miserable, ugly people, then hang on to them. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and again, that, brother, that is, uh, they'll never say it, but that's about as biblical of a, a thing that's been ever presented in deal-making. And another thing that I like uh, that the never-Trumpkin evangelicals are still holding on to uh, that goofy mindset full of unforgiveness and bitterness is that, uh, you know, the, the naughty one, Donald J. Trump, who said grab him by the fajay to Billy Bush, uh, what, uh, 14 years ago or something like that, he did this thing called peacemaking. And I believe uh, somebody famous said, blessed are the peacemakers. I think it was Spider-Man or <laughs> Tony Robbins or, um, uh, damn it, who was it? Oh, it was Jesus. Yeah, right. Hey, man. Uh, so they'll, so they'll, they'll point out, man, they'll point out Star, Stormy Daniels. He could have had an affair with Karen McDougal. She's on Daily Mail right now, still claiming it. Yeah. It's like, you want to focus on crap that happened 16 years ago, or do you want to take your hat off and say, wow, that was amazing what he just did with Kim Jong-un brokering peace between North and South Korea. Come on, people. If you got relatives that are that stupid and they're over on the 4th of July, just lovingly thump them right in the middle of their skull. At ClashDaily.com, you also have a great piece uh, by Wes Walker there. And this is the uh, aftermath of the Bourdain suicide. And, of course, uh, there was some claim somehow that the, that that Bourdain's suicide was a result of the scourge of masculinity. I mean, it was complete BS, and I'm glad you guys pointed it out. Yeah, no, they said, well, you know, because men, they have to, you know, pose as tough and rugged, and they have, you know, no outlet, in their, and it's this isolation that masculinity brings, and so we have to hand over our balls and drain ourselves of uh, testicular fortitude and uh, take on, you know, the oh-so-soft feminine estrogen qualities of soy boys. And if uh, Bourdain had, you know, those, those kind of levels of getting in touch with his feminine side, he wouldn't have offed himself. Here's what I think, and I'm telling you, uh, uh, Ryan and, and, and Jamie before Jesus, Joseph, and Mary, uh, Asia Argento, his girlfriend, uh, she spearheading with Rose McGowan, uh, the Me Too movement against Weinstein and the, the other uh, sexually assaulting mooks. And Bourdain uh, was supporting uh, Asia big time in this. And it was a really intense thing, as you can imagine, going against uh, a mogul like Weinstein. And two days before he killed himself, the Daily Mail ran uh, pictures of Asia with this, uh, I think it was a French uh, journalist, and they, they, were, uh, they had bedroom eyes, if you know what I'm talking about, and they're hugging and doing these uh, PDAs in public, uh, which obviously is a, uh, redundant, but they were yeah. doing all these PDAs where everybody could see it, and two days later he killed himself. And on the Daily Mail today, nobody's talking about that. Uh, they're, they're putting the pieces of the puzzle together. They said he loved her too deeply. And, again, it's all supposition. They think that those pictures is the thing that just made him say, uh, screw it and get a uh, bathrobe rope and, and lights out it. 
Well, and, and but, but you know we're all we're all complicated balls of yard, man. You know, so yeah, and and there are lots of people. It's kind of like the same way that there are a lot of kids who are bullied and they don't go and shoot up schools. There are a lot of guys who or and women who uh, watch their relationships dump out on them and and, and don't kill themselves. So there's there's yeah. always something else there. And you know, I think that uh, Wes pointed out and at the tail end of the article directed again people back to pussification, the effeminization of the American male, which really describes this situation where, you know, suicide and guys doing it, uh, that's being a pussy. I mean, that's just, that's what that is. And and I know, I know that it's hardcore because I've heard from a lot of people when we talked about this before, because we were talking about the whole 13 reasons why series on Netflix. And I was saying, that's not really cool because sometimes it just simply legitimizes suicide by saying there really actually are reasons why necessarily, and you can pinpoint them. But uh, but peop- I got blowback from some people who had relatives kill themselves, and I, I don't mean to be harsh on those people. But really, in the end, I think sometimes uh, just look at the times. I mean, look at how many suicides there were in 1952 and how many suicides there are in 2018. I mean, it's, and there was just one the other day by this Disney, I don't know who, well, I forgot who the guy was, some Disney character or whatever. I mean, you know, it, it's happening. Yeah, here's, here, here's something that, um, uh, and, and look, you know, you can't be a, a, a guy like you and I, Jamie, and, and not have thoughts of killing ourselves or killing other people. <laughs> if, you're, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a culture warrior, uh, you're in the you're in the fray. You're in the thick of things, and uh, and bullets fly, and bodies fly, and uh, it's it's a rowdy uh, place to occupy in this culture. Uh, I will say this: that I'm I'm not uh, look I'm bold and stuff, but I'm I'm not bold enough to take my own life because I'm not certain enough uh, that uh, how can I put this gently? I'm not certain enough that I will finally be at rest. Yeah, you know oh, what yeah. I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, because yeah. you're like, because yeah. you're like, you know, some some girls watching Whitney Houston uh, documentary the other night, and oh my God, what a depressing uh, movie that was, and uh, and everybody's saying, well, you know, she's finally at peace. It's like I, I don't know, no. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not saying that she's not. I just don't know. And as a human being, who's uh, <laughs> somewhat selfish about um, you know where I spend eternity, I don't mm-hmm. know if I want to roll my I'll roll the dice on that. And that's aside from like uh, all the damage that you'll do to your wife, your kids, all your loved ones, all your family, all your friends. It's a lie. Don't do it. Go get an exorcism. Hang out with me and Jamie and Ryan. We'll get you a couple of scotches, smoke a stick, and we'll figure it out. Uh, go to church, man, that yeah. uh, doesn't preach some effeminate Christ and uh, get some moxie. Uh, stuff back in your tank and and believe that um you know as long as you're sucking air that god's not finished with you yet and there's uh there's a whole there's a whole lot more that you can accomplish but don't buy into the darkness man because uh again i don't know if there (laughs) if uh if there will be a an r.i.p 
if I do something like that. Right on. And, you know, in the end, one of the great things about ClashDaily.com and, and Doug and all of his books and, and just, the, just the entire vibe of the Doug Giles operation is I, lo- I love your – because there, there aren't many websites. There are websites out there that give us clips and things of the, uh, the political side and that kind of thing, and you do do that. But your coverage of the cultural angles here are fantastic. In fact, the latest one, too, is the video by Jordan Peterson. And, man, this is, this is great. This is uh, the Dear Mom and Dad, Dangerous People Are Teaching Your Kids. And, and you point out that actually Doug uh, – and we'll, and we'll put the video. I'll give a link, and we'll put it up in the comment section in Facebook so people can watch it. But you point out that, that right from the opening line – I'll play it for you here. Listen. You may not realize it, but you are currently funding some dangerous people. They are indoctrinating young minds throughout the West with their resentment-ridden ideology. They have made it their life's mission to undermine Western civilization itself, which they regard as corrupt, oppressive, and patriarchal. If you're a taxpayer or paying for your kid's liberal arts degree, you're underwriting this gang of nihilists. Yeah. I love the. I love even the fact that he uses the term nihilist, which is so perfect to describe these people who care about basically nothing that means anything. It's like watching a. Uh, if you go to school, it's like watching an uh, Ernie Bushmiller's Nancy comics. It's like, uh, and and I'm glad you pointed this out because Jordan Peterson. One thing you interesting you do point out, Doug, is that is that Jordan Peterson is becoming more famous, and it's not because of Doug Giles or Jamie Allman or people who talk about him. It's because of the left itself, which is so funny. Yeah, and this is uh, this is what I tell people, and I should get paid uh, big money to do it, <laughs> especially with with authors and stuff. Uh, it's like if you want if if you want your product to take off, don't get your buddies to do favorable reviews. Would you write a favorable review of my book on Amazon.com? What you should do is you, uh, get a get a box of uh, whatever <clears throat> whatever you just did. Uh, whether it's an actual book or a podcast or something, and send it to the Huffington Post. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Because once, because once, brother, once they attack, once they attack you, it's on like Donkey Kong. You're gonna have people come to your defense. You're gonna have people buy your book. They're gonna, you have people uh, subscribe to whatever you're doing. Nobody knew who Jordan Peterson was. This guy's, uh, uh, you know, doing his thing up in Canada, being a professor. But uh, next thing you know, he won't use, you know, the politically correct gender uh, <laughs> words for male and female. And uh, the left uh, starts jackhammering him. And, uh, yeah, boom, he's in the Klieg lights and he's giving them hell. And uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Anytime the enemy goes after you, the enemy attacks you, uh, listen up, people. You are being promoted. I know it feels like crap. But uh, it took yeah. a, a Goliath to pull out a David. And uh, it took a Pharaoh to manifest a liberator in Moses. So don't whine about being attacked. Uh, that's your wave. Get on your damn surfboard and ride it. Right on. I, I can definitely identify uh, with that part of it, too. You know, I loved watching Jordan Peterson recently dismantle Dyson, which is great. All you need to do is be able to have these people in the same arena and, and watch them go at it, and you'll see who the, who the real players are. And he just took Dyson apart on the whole white privilege thing. It was great. I tell you, one of the, one of the most interesting uh, things that I've seen uh, with Peterson, I, love, I like Peterson's stuff. One of the, the, the most interesting videos, him and Russell Brand. 
oh. uh, talking about talking about serious issues of God, life, atheism, theism. Uh, for people who think Russell Brand's an idiot, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to go toe to toe with him in a in a debate. Uh, maybe I would. I think I'd enjoy it actually. Uh, he's not. He's not a dummy, man. And uh, I don't know. I'm not verifying or validating his path that he's currently on, but OMG, is this guy taking uh, the life of the mind seriously? Anti-intellectual, he's not. If people think he's a goofball because of his movies, oh, you've completely misjudged him. And uh, him and Jordan Peterson, uh, man, it, it's a beautiful, I'd say a sword fight, a dance something but just one of the most amazing hour and a half conversations i've heard in a long time yeah i've heard russell brand interviewed on stern before and he was great you can actually see why he no longer could inhabit the same space as katie perry because i think he just i think he just couldn't tolerate this the simpleness <laughs> you know it's just, I think it's just, it must have driven him nuts but well i got uh, i got a i got a story there's this girl that i was um dating obviously before i got married and um Beautiful girl, man. Uh, total playboy material. Incredible body. Beautiful face. Parents are rich. Uh, into oil. Texas oil, Jamie. I had it made, brother. They uh, and and we're upstairs in her uh, parents' house. Parents are gone and stuff. We're watching a movie, and uh, I look over there, kind of you know, from my per- peripheral vision to to check her out, watching her watch the movie, and she's sitting there with her mouth open, just like. Argh. And in that instance, I was like, oh, my God, there's no – can you not close your mouth? There's no way in the world can I go to you, and you're a, a mouth breather. So that was it for me. <laughs> you, could, you could just see the – you could see the lights are on, but nobody was home, man. And I was like, and I was like as much as my flesh wants you – I can't do it. You're you're Katy Perrying on me. You're Britney Spears. <laughs> right on. After I, I have sex with you, I've got to talk to you. So no thanks. I'm I'm out. Doug, hey. I, I was gonna say I do have to thank you really quick for um this weekend. I was at a restaurant, and Doug, because of you, they served me a water. All right, and you know what I did with that straw, Doug? Chunked it. I chucked that thing across the room, brother. <laughs> Love it, man. Unless you're three or under, if you're a man, uh, you should never drink out of a straw. Yeah, Aiden, they, they unless you're unless you're driving, you're flying down the road, you can't have that thing dump into your you know console <laughs> and stuff and jam up your six speed or something like that. That's another thing. Get a manual shifting car if you can do it in whatever vehicle that you're doing it because millennial thieves that are out there they won't know what the hell to do with that thing <laughs> and uh, you'll still have your vehicle yeah it's funny because uh, aiden the, the the backstory on the straw thing is my son aiden 13 who who loved meeting you by the way it was, it was like it was great and, and doug is great with kids by the way uh, especially boys yes. you know who, who need need the help and so the, anyway at the mac you know they they gave him he was getting to drink with a coke and just having a, a straw in it now keep in mind aiden the guy never drinks from a straw. Usually it's like I have to tell him to stop slurping because, you know. But nonetheless, there was a straw in there, and it was so amusing because Doug reached over and, and, and said, I don't know what exactly he said, but you took that straw out of there and it said, men don't drink out of straws. And it was great. Uh, I, and I could, I could honestly say. No, he, came, he, came up, he came up to me and uh, just a you know, handsome boy, great spirit, and, you know, 
put his hand out there, grabbed it like a man. And he had that, uh, and I was delighted to meet him and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, Aiden, don't drink out of a straw anymore. Unless you're three or younger, don't ever do that, man. It just doesn't look cool. I mean, I told him not to, but also don't eat a banana and look another man in the eye at the same time. (laughs) Don't do that. Yeah. And don't compliment David Beckham, Ryan. All right. Hey, by the way, uh, your flight, how was your flight home? Because your, your flight here was interesting because you said when we were getting into the car, he's like, so, uh, one of the flight attendants, the guy hit on me, and then the uh, other flight attendant was rubbing all over me. So how was the how was the flight home, Doug Giles? Uh, I was unaccosted the entire time. So <laughs> I, I I feel uh, I'm not going to start a Me Too movement after what happened on the on my first leg up to St. Louis, uh, even though I was hit on. Uh, by a gay flight attendant, and the other one was rubbing her mammaries all over my shoulder, <laughs> pretending wow. to get something out of the overhead bin. Uh, it's like, listen, lady, I will stand up and I'll get out of the way if you'll quit rubbing your boobs on me. Good <laughs> Lord. I nearly, Jamie, I nearly thumped them. I was like, can you get off me? Oh, oh yeah. Well, wow. less, lesser people would have raised a ruckus there in the middle of the airplane. We had another one of those video uh, viral stories. But no, Doug just needed to get to St. Louis and, and give us the wow treatment. But, buddy, thanks so much, hasn't, man. Hasn't, hasn't air travel turned into a nightmare? Oh. It's like a bus ride from Juarez to Guadalajara <laughs> now, you know? Everybody is so needy. I mean, it's everybody. Everybody's so self-absorbed, and that—that's the problem. Everybody thinks that that they're, they're the only ones on the airplane. There's no sense of cooperation or consideration these days. It seems, and in many different there's realms. This, there's this. Uh, there's this big chick taking uh, selfies of her uh, on my flight home to Austin, and uh, and I photobomb the crap out of them. I don't know <laughs> if she's seen them yet, but I was making all kinds of faces, crossing my eyes putting a gun to my head and she's over there just taking, she probably took a hundred selfies of her sitting in Southwest air, <laughs> Southwest airplane going to Austin. Hey, we're not going to Paris. This isn't Virgin Atlantic. Okay. You're not in business class or first class. It jammed up in here with a bunch of people. It looks like a Japanese subway train at five in the morning and uh, it's not special. No. Uh, well, thanks for putting up with it, man, because we really appreciate you being here, Doug. And uh, we'll talk with you next week, brother. And uh, really appreciate it very much. And don't forget that those books, if you missed the book signing or the books, they're still out there. In fact, if you go to ClassDaily.com, you've got Pussification. You've got Raising Righteous and Rowdy Girls. That, that book, people loved, by the way, aside from the new one. And then, of course, the brand new one, uh, Rules for Radical Christians. So, buddy, thanks so much. Yeah. Glad you had a good time. Yeah, Jamie. Hey, and, and uh, we marked the uh, CNN toilet paper. Oh yeah. Uh, we marked it down. We marked it down three bucks. <laughs> and people, it's flying off the shelves. There's only limited rolls left. Make sure you get it for Fourth of July when your relatives, the liberal, come over. Put it in all the guest bathrooms. Trigger them. Uh, lunch and supper will be like none that you've ever had. All right, brother. I appreciate you, man. ClashDaily.com. Yeah, Thanks, Doug. Yeah, you too, buddy. Thank you. You know, speaking of that, one of the things I saw one time, which I think is funny, and we got to figure out a venue to do this. There was a guy one time with the girls' dances, um, and he was one of the, the entertainment there. Okay. He took a uh, – he was very entertaining, but he took a, you know, like a leaf blower, right? Like one of those leaf blower things. Yeah. And he put like a um, – some kind of – 
affixed some kind of hanger type of thing to it and then put toilet paper on the end oh. and blew the leaf blower and the toilet paper went all over the place. We could do that. With CNN toilet yes. paper. Somehow, some way, do that at some venue or something and really cause a That's ruckus. Great idea. All right, brother. Wow. How did those three hours go by so fast? We don't know, even do man. commercial breaks. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Speaking of commercials, though, uh, to uh, Discovery Design uh, for the studio, we appreciate you very much. And uh, thanks a ton also. In backtracking just to, to the event since Doug was just on, Thank you to Naputi Pediatrics for the bounce house and the slide, which was a hit, and the face painter. Yeah, she rocked it. She was good. Yeah, I'll have to grab. I'll have to grab her name because um, I don't know. I mean, she clearly probably has a lot of work already, but uh, man, she was good. I've never seen anybody be a a, a faster face painter. Yeah, it was amazing, and she would work like in the elements. I mean, it's like raining. She's like. Yeah. Masterpiece yeah, yeah. of these things. And thanks to uh, Moto Exotica for the uh, Batmobile and the Camaro, and thank you to Billy Bush for the. I mean, listen, Billy Bush. Not Doug was actually when I said Billy Bush, he goes, "Is that the guy?" No, I said no. He's a, he's a um, <laughs> local brewer, but that Kreftig beer uh, was great. And Billy, uh, I called him out of the blue because I know him, and I said, "Is there any way?" Um, we can get some beer from you, you know, and 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 he and here's the deal. Uh, he gave us five hundred dollars worth of Kreftig beer, canned light beer and regular beer. And he can't write it off because it's not a charity. Right. Right. So so it wasn't like, you know, you sometimes these guys donate beer to, you know, some kind of charitable yeah. event. Uh, but this wasn't a charity. So he basically just simply unloaded five hundred dollars dollars worth of beer for the Radio Free Almond movement. And so if there's any way you can support Kreftig beer, if you haven't had it before, check it out. It's good beer. Uh, and I especially like the light because I'm, I'm, I drink more light beer anyway. Uh, but it's uh, but the, the other full body one is great, too. Just depends on what your proclivities are. But it's uh, good beer. And Billy Bush is a great guy. Really appreciated him helping us out. Anybody else we need to make sure we... Uh, oh, um the barbecue guys. Who were they? Oh yeah, the um um the I Q was, in the Lou. Oh, it is Q in the Lou. It, okay, well that's the parent company. Okay, I got you. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. And then I think it was Smoke in Motion was yeah. the uh, was the and they did a great job. That food looked good too. I didn't grab any, that but brisket. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I crushed that thing. And thanks to uh, Ben Murphy and the America First uh, Missouri gang out there. Uh, you guys have been great friends. And uh, some of the tents blew up, <laughs> blew up because of the air. The air. Yeah. Who else, though? I know I'm forgetting somebody, buddy. We had uh, Austin Peterson's people came out. That was, yep. you know. Um, Tony's people were there. Yep, Tony's people were there. Cortland uh, Sykes. Uh, Cortland Sykes was there. Sandra. In fact, it was funny because I um, got off the Jeep when I drove up with Doug and went to the live thing. <laughs> and that was the first thing somebody said, Cortland Sykes! We said it like so. He he had his oh yeah he has people people out there. They all they were all out there and That's so funny. yeah exactly. We gotta get Austin on. Where's he been by the way? I don't know. Was he too good for us? Then? No, <laughs> it's been getting it's been getting very busy. So yeah, these yes. guys are actually uh, now that we're two months out or less from the August primary, oh, yeah. things are getting kind of hectic. Especially when you got crazy. Ann Wagner sitting with Claire McCaskill and. <sighs> 
I had to do it to you. I know, you had to get me started again. <laughs> you didn't even hardly get into her RV and plane ride. We didn't do that, did we? That's like the biggest story, too, and we still were talking, you know, uh, all the things we did talk about. You can say, well, why did you talk about that and not this? Well, the Claire McCaskill, well, what else do you need to know? Claire McCaskill has her bus out there. She's pretending to be the Main Street politician that she tried to be and, and actually was successful for her when she first ran. But instead what she's doing is she's flying around in an airplane. She's not on the bus. She's a faker. Yeah. Uh, and and she said, claims it's because there was a drawer broken um, in the RV for a dresser drawer broken in the RV, which is, a, which is clearly a lie. And she's flying around in her plane, and that's what's going on. And so she's kind of dropping in on the RV thing. It's just a fake thing. And, and at the same time, she's being treated like royalty by our Missouri Republican Party, which is beyond the realm of comprehension. I don't know why, but uh, uh, Ryan, as you suggested, maybe it's just time for a trip down to Jefferson City to, um, to figure it out, right? Totally agree. Good to see you, man. And you too. Thanks for all you're doing for Radio Free Elm, and you're rocking it. Having fun. Oh, I want to make sure, too, because Alicia Clark and Kelly were great. Alicia on Friday did the, the uh, book sales thing, and Kelly, who had to kind of, your wife had to kind of, like, put on a, hey, I didn't know what she did, but she was a lot of hassle. But it also made arranged for all the permits. We didn't get into how hard that was. And again, thank you to Rick Pogue and everybody else at Discovery Design for not only the studio, but also the great Saturday as well. So have a great rest of your day, everybody.